Well, that's not till like the second half of the show, so right. Uh, but I want to know how to set it up before we get there. All right, all right. <laughs> um, I don't improv well, Josh. I need to, <laughs> I need structure in my life. You have a structured settlement, and you need cash now. Call eight seven seven cash now. JG Whitworth. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 877 cash now. No. I don't even like feel like I watch commercials anymore, but for some reason I know that fucking thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a really bad one that's like um Backstreet Boys like version of it. Oh god, it's fucking atrocious. I don't know if I know that one. And it's that doesn't really... mean send it to me. Just keep it I'm, to yourself. Well, I'm gonna fucking find it and send it to you now. <laughs> you know it's 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 dynamic. It's great. It's fantastic. <laughs> the face sells it andy the face <laughs> jingles like that work man because i can tell you like still to this day i don't remember shit about the the one um mcgruff the crime dog remember you remember scruff mcgruff the crime dog yeah i remember the name Take a bite so out of he, he had a commercial at one time it, it, i'll never forget chicago's zip code because of that commercial, because of the jingle at the end of it. It was like, Scruff McGruff, Chicago, Illinois, 60652. And I, I'm just like, how the fuck do I, like, I know Chicago's fucking zip code because of this stupid jingle. And like, I don't remember what the lesson the damn dog was trying to teach me because the catchiest part of the thing was the little song with Chicago and the zip, zip code. code. Yeah. <laughs> I always remember the uh, the Century Three, Three Chevrolet, Chevrolet Lebanon, Lebanon Church Road, Pittsburgh. Minutes from the mall. <laughs> I can remember that yes, because that the first one time is... I actually was on Lebanon Church Road, I was like, oh, "I'm here." Where is it? Yes, it's yeah. the first thought that came to my mind the first time I drove out to Josh and Sarah's place when they were out that way. <laughs> this is this is the road from the song. It's Lebanon Church Road. This, this is it. And that I can yeah, find Chevrolet that, here. That, dealer, that dealership is just a few minutes. Like as soon as you get up onto oh, that yeah. road it's like just to the left is right there and you get all excited you're like guys guys i'm minutes from the mall <laughs> oh, oh but mall. not anymore Hello and welcome to another episode of Bry Guy and His Super Friends. I'm your host, Brian Labick. Joining me for this episode is a podcaster for the people, Andy Stalls. What's up, podcast people? Uh, next up is a man who said we may be getting too many superhero movies released in a year, and so the powers <laughs> that be answered with a pandemic, Josh Zorch. And then in response to that a little bit, we're going to get about triple what we would have <laughs> Once we are yeah. okay to go. And I do stand slightly corrected at this point. Just give it, give it, give it all to me to, to, I will, I will be the Marvel version of, uh, Paula's star Wars. And I will be, I will <laughs> choke on all the comic book movies. Good callback. I like it. Yeah. Uh, and finally, Ian's not here. So the pressure's on him to give us his best intro. Mike Bradley. What's up guys. 
I'm not going to do any intro. That's not my thing. <laughs> it's 100% something that only that guy does. But you can check out his Teespring store. You can check out the shirt that I have sponsored personally. I want to watch Vin Diesel mouth fuck a beer. You can find it on his Teespring store. I highly suggest you buy it. It's high quality, good cotton. Um, 100% cotton, maybe. It might be. It might be a blend. I don't. I didn't check. But, you know, for off the cuff, that was pretty good. That I was really good, actually. Yeah. So when you when you say you're in, almost in, endorsing it, does that mean you've purchased one yourself? Yes. I've seen them. Is, him is, wear that, it on is that the one you accidentally bought, or no, 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 no. that was on purpose. So now um, Ian has made twice as much as Brian has. No, no, three times. I bought another one. <laughs> I bought I bought the hashtag White Spider Liquid as well. So I'm telling you, Ian should be the sponsor of the show. <laughs> well, I mean, the Great Leon is that the name of the Teespring store? The Great yeah, Leon, something like that. I, I, don't, I, I wasn't really actually prepared in any way to. <laughs> yeah, see, he's not, he's not here to plug it, so I, I don't. I didn't take the time to look it up and see what the link actually was. I was giving my best imitation of Ian for about one third of that, and then I just gave up because like it started strong. Yeah. I, I'll tell you, it was like he was here. <laughs> I'll close my eyes. Do it again. <laughs> that was rhetorical <laughs> as he shakes his head uh all right so the uh the plan for this episode was to try to cover some news topics uh we had a few topics lined up previously and then uh some some big shit happened uh so <laughs> warner brothers decided to release their entire lineup of 2021 movies to hbo max the same day as theaters and disney had an investor call last night and they announced a shit ton of stuff so just a quick question uh, I know it's not Warner Brothers related, but at that point, can we, um, legally speaking, I mean, you know the copyright stuff, can we get Jeff Goldblum in there saying that is one big pile of shit? <laughs> can we just piece that in? I, maybe. I, I, I think your take right there is good enough. <laughs> yeah, we can just reuse that over and over again. All right, fair enough. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, you, you know, when Disney does their stuff, you never actually realize how much Disney owns until they get a chance to talk about all the stuff that they own because they went on for like four hours for this investor call. It was insane. Uh, so really those are the only two things we're going to try to cover. Uh, this could very well be a five hour podcast. We're going to try our best not to do that, but there's, there's a lot of shit to hit. Um, so keep in mind, I'm, I'm fully expecting you to all call me a liar by the time this is over and this has gone way too long, but for right now. We're, we're going to try to go for a tight two hours. We'll see how we do. Uh, so we're going to start right in with the Warner Brothers stuff for HBO Max. I've got a ton of details to go through. Hang with me for a little bit. Uh, this is the stuff that I find interesting that I like researching and trying to piece together. So we're going to try to follow this chain of events and see how we got here. So traditionally, movies have a very specific window that they have to be played in a movie theater before they can be released digitally or to be rented from your home. So that window is usually between 75 and 90 days. Now with the pandemic and the way that's affected movie theaters, they had to close. There was an immediate change to this model. Granted, I'm sure a lot of these plans to release movies more directly to consumers have been in the works for a while, but the pandemic forced some of those plans to be put in place a lot sooner than expected. So back in April, when theaters were forced to close, Universal was the first studio to try something drastic by pulling Trolls World, World Tour releasing it straight to video on-demand services. For $20, you can have a 48-hour of a newly released movie right in your home. Now, when this first happened, did any of you guys actually take advantage of this and watch Trolls World Tour at home? I did not personally, but I know several 
personal friends and coworkers who did, most of them who had children. Yeah, that seemed like a big get for, for people that didn't want to go to the theater, have kids, and just need to entertain them because you are stuck inside now. And, and because even that at that time, the theaters weren't opened again yet. Right. No. Anybody else? No? No, I just I had no desire to watch that movie whatsoever. <laughs> uh, uh, like To Josh's point, though, the people with kids, I'm hoping that this change that we're going to talk about um, really helps them stay home and out of theaters. No offense, children ruin more movies for me than anything else. <laughs> <laughs> Brian, did you, I know that you and my wife were looking forward to going back for this one. And it's sad, I have to admit, I have not even seen this movie yet. I didn't want to pay the $20, because in my mind, it was like, okay, I'll get to this eventually, whether mm-hmm. I rent it later down the line. it's I don't have to see it right the second. I will see it later somewhere down the line, which I still haven't done. That sounds um, like a watch Which is sad, because as big of a JT fan as I am, I haven't watched it yet. So I need I need to make this a priority, honestly, <laughs> to get back and try to watch this at some point. But I haven't done yeah. it yet. Why? Good JT. <laughs> JT. Oh, That's is he in it? The, yeah, well, he's the voice of one of the characters. I saw the first oh, one. Well, see, yeah. Don't you remember that dance, dance? This is a sequel. The yeah. song from the first one could not get away from that damn thing working at the movie theater at the time. <laughs> well, I mean, I didn't even realize that the first one was a thing. So that shows you I mean, where the I was at. Was pretty good. It was big too. It did bank. A, yeah. a lot of things that are big with children don't exactly, you know. Oh, see, I'm a kid, so it doesn't matter. I will see it all. I am in some ways, but. I don't do the musical stuff either, though. So, you know, fair. It's... So, Brian, what was the fallout of this decision from uh, from Universal? Uh, yeah. So, obviously, movie theater chains did not like that, and almost immediately, AMC, one of the biggest movie theater chains out there, fired back, said they would not show any Universal movies, which included the upcoming Fast and Furious Nine, Jurassic Park Dominion, everything under Universal's category or you know their studio they weren't going to show that in theaters uh and this was when fast and furious 9 and jurassic park were still supposed to release i think this year mm-hmm. so they were like you know you're big stuff we're not showing that anymore you're you're done um at the time amc theaters president and ceo adam aaron <clears throat> left this quote this radical change by universal to the business model that currently exists between our two companies represents nothing but downside for us and is categorically unacceptable to amc entertainment Accordingly, we want to be absolutely clear so that there is no ambiguity of any kind. AMC believes that with this proposed action to go to the home and theaters simultaneously, Universal is breaking the business model and dealings between our two companies. It assumes that we will meekly accept a reshaped view of how studios and exhibitors should interact with zero concern on Universal's part as to how its actions affect us. It also presumes that Universal, in fact, can have its cake and eat it too, the Universal film product can be released to the home and theaters at the same time without modification to the current economic agreements between us. From that quote, I almost feel like you could replace Universal with Warner Brothers and we're in the same boat. Nine months later. Yeah, 100%. So, eventually, AMC Universal made a deal. So, when the movie releases, it will play in the theater for 17 days, three weekends, and then will be made available through video on demand. AMC will get a portion of the video on demand profits, what I couldn't figure out is if the movie would then release to all video on demand services or if it only debut on AMC's video on demand service. Cause that was something AMC started pushing too, is that 
you know, they realize video on demand is a market that people are trying to go. They want to see stuff at their home through Netflix or other streaming platforms. So AMC is trying to get a piece of that pie. They now have their own video on demand service through AMC's app. Oh, they have an app that has, wow, okay. I mean, it's the same one you use to see, look up movie times and buy tickets. Yeah. There's a a video on demand section now. Yes. Um... So I, I, I'm still unclear if it hits, like, if you can watch this stuff on Amazon after 17 days or just AMC's website after 17 days. Because um, somewhere in there, too, Cinemark made the same deal with an altered release date uh, to or altered release window to 17 days before stuff hits on demand. So if Cinemark's part of it, Cinemark does not have their own video on demand service. So how, how would Cinemark get the cut of the profits, which is weird to me. Like, would that come from if, if AMC has the VO on demand stuff does Cinemark get a piece of AMC's profits that come from using their service like that? I don't know. That's weird to me. So it's got to, I, I feel like it's got to hit everything. Like it's probably Amazon, um, you know, whatever else you rent from Apple, you know, from the Apple TV or AMC or whether it's Comcast. I don't know if it'd go through Comcast, like on demand service too, if that's probably part of it. I mean, they probably want to make it own yeah. the other companies a couple of them yeah. anyways. Yeah, it doesn't Comcast yeah, own so. Universal, I think. Yeah. Oh, true. Right. But at the, no, at the same time, it, 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 instead of making it as narrowly focused as we'll, we'll talk about in, in a moment with other companies, you I would think, especially at that point, you would want to make it as widely available as possible. Right. If, if it's still a, you know, per ch- a charge per view model you're going to want to put it on as many platforms as you possibly could. Yeah. So theaters are okay with this type of deal because they get then a percentage or some sort of cut on these video on demand rentals that presumably still happen within like the 90 day theatrical window. Um, And then after those 90 days, then it can, you know, go to be, you know, be bought like home video, like you can buy a physical disc probably and own it. It's not just rental services anymore. Then you can own the movie for yourself after those 90 days. Um, and then as, as theaters began to struggle and we're getting closer to the summer blockbuster season, coronavirus numbers began to fall. People thought we'd be okay to get back to the theater. Warner brothers were starting to push Christopher Nolan's tenant as the movie that would bring people back to the theater. It was released on September 3rd and tenant bombed. It opened to only 20 million domestically, and at this time has only made 58 million domestically from the box office. It has grossed about 360 million worldwide, where theaters are a little bit safer to go overseas, but it's still nowhere near what Warner Brothers wanted for a movie that was supposed to kickstart the movie season. Uh, at the time, Warner Brothers has already delayed, or at that time, Warner Brothers had already delayed Wonder Woman 1984 to this from the summer to October, and then after Tenant's box office, they pushed Wonder Woman all the way back to Christmas Day. And we'll get to that in a little bit. Uh, Disney had pushed Mulan to September, which was supposed to release the same time in the summer as Tenet, and then they pushed that to September also. Set to release around the same time, uh, after seeing Tenet's box office, Disney tried a different approach. They pulled the movie from theaters, released it to subscribers on Disney+. Plus. However, for the first three months on Disney+, Plus, it would cost an additional $30 to watch Mulan. It was a $30 rental, which, right? Yeah. Josh, did you, but, but was then it you, rental or do you buy it? No. Well, it was, it was kind of weird because it, it, this was such like the, the first example into this kind of model attempt because you would, you were basically paying for advanced access to the property. 
because had the world gone like normal after the typical 90-day theatrical release, Disney probably would have put Milan on Disney Plus almost immediately for its subscribers. Right. So had it uh, released in July, you know, in an alternate world like it was supposed to, it probably would have been on Disney Plus to its subscribers by October or November anyway. In the end, you were basically paying $30 for a three-month advanced access to it, and you would have it for that entire three months. Okay. At which point, and I think it happened just this past, like a week ago, so it then became free and accessible to all Disney Plus subscribers as of like December the 4th, I think. Right. Yeah, beginning of September or beginning of December. Yeah, it hit Disney Plus for free. So if you were paying for Disney Plus, it is there to watch now. You don't have to pay the $30, which they called like their premium access or something, premium price point, something like that. Yeah, I think they call it pr- pr- premier access. That's what it was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um. So Josh, I'm assuming you tried Mulan when it hit Disney Plus? We did not. Okay. All right. Did anybody else actually watch Disney or Mulan for the $30 rental? No. No, $30 is just astronomical. I'm not going to do that. Yeah. Okay. Because I still think at the time, like when it hits September, we're still like, okay, you know, like we're going to get through this by the end of the year or the beginning of next year and we'll be back to theaters. Like things are starting to get a little bit better so we can probably see the light at the end of the tunnel. Uh, obviously, then shit got worse right and and i will say for us i think it also it was it was a different experience than what was being offered from other things like bill and ted and with trolls and some other things which was this was i i knew I, I mean i know this is like the whole reason for this topic basically but i knew that the money was not going to anybody else i was paying disney directly just to have access to something through a media channel that i already pay them for that i just have to be patient and wait and i'll get it for free right whereas i know like with other things if i'm paying a a, a, at least i mean i know amc is the behemoth chain in the country and even if it's just going to that one like nobody else was getting a cut of that so to me it wasn't i wasn't necessarily getting um well plus milan was not being released theatrically you right. know, they, they So that would have been that's for the first three months, that was the only way to watch it. Thirty dollars through Disney Plus and you can see it. Precisely. So yeah, for for us, that particular type of setup was not worth it for us. If it had been different where, well, it's in theaters, but well, we don't really feel like it's safe to go yet. And, you know, maybe we would consider it. Yeah. For thirty dollars I wouldn't even go see a premiere in the theater for for me and Jess, I wouldn't pay thirty dollars to go. Well, how much do you pay for a movie ticket? It's probably like ten bucks each. So I mean, it's comparable. So you're you're paying thirty dollars for two people to watch it, which is, you know, obviously maybe with a ten dollar price point, ten dollars more than what you'd normally spend. Sure. And, and but, but I'm not they're grouping. Though, they're putting the spice in there, assuming that a family is watching this movie. Okay. They're not. That price point is not for a single use person. But you're right. not getting like the theatrical like sound. You're not getting like the the darkening of the lights. You're not getting crowd reactions. Yes. True. You're not even the quality not, of picture. You're, you right. You're not, not getting, getting any of that on your own right. setup. And and right. and with with this one specifically, the reason this one is different than some of the others is this was you pay it once and you have it for three months. It's not a forty eight hour rental that you can really only watch kind of once. 
So okay. if you wanted to watch Milan several times over the next three months before it's going to, you know, in this case, it's going to become available to you for free because you can't even gain access to pay the extra money until you've paid money up front to be a subscriber to the service anyway. Um, you know, that's kind of the trade-off is like, yeah, it's 20, maybe $20 just for the movie tickets, but that's a single viewing and you're, I, and you're done. I guess that's the, the, the difference they were trying to push with this. I think one of the silly things about it with this model is that, especially for Disney Plus, which is a subscription service that costs roughly five, six dollars still, right? A month? I yeah. think so. It's something like that. Seven? Seven? Maybe. We we did the like I, advanced long-term yeah, thing, so I'm not too. sure what the current cost is. I, well, yeah, I know if you did that, it was like four dollars a month even. It was mm -hmm. even less, like if you got in and you signed up for X amount of time ahead of time. But I'm talking for somebody to sign up for like that single month to start the subscription. If it's $7, that's fine. But that means at some point there's a day at which you can look at Mulan and say, I can pay $30 for that today, or I can pay $7 tomorrow and have a month of Disney Plus and watch it for that $7 I just paid. At some point, yeah. there's a day that that decision exists, which is... Like, to me, that's a zero-sum decision. There's no way you're going to do that. And there's no avoiding it. Because there's always got to be that cutoff day where it's, you know, for that service, you're either getting the whole service for a much less price the next day or just, you know, sign up, get the service and the movie. Like, it... I don't know. Well, that's the experiment for Disney. Like, every time they put something on Disney+, Plus, it seems like they're trying something different because they want to see what works for their model... And Mulan was the only one that they've charged for so far. Anything else that they've seemed to take from theater to put on Disney Plus has just been there for subscribers. We were talking before the show. Andy mentioned Onward. I kind of forgot about that one. That one right. went to Disney Plus and skipped the theater and was free for subscribers. Yep. Um, after I'm I'm assuming this model either did not work well enough for them or they're still experimenting with stuff because after Mulan, they another one of their big releases that was supposed to come out this year in the theater was Pixar's soul, which has now rotated to Disney plus and is going to hit Christmas day free for Disney plus subscribers. There's no premium price point there. Mm -hmm. It's just going to be there. Um, so there's, they're still rolling the dice. I think and a lot of stuff trying to figure out what works and what they can get away with. Um, but spinning back to Warner brothers, I mean, they're the first studio that's going to, or the latest studio that's going to try their experiment. Um, so there's a bunch of rumors of Wonder Woman 1984 possibly going to HBO Max. Everyone involved with the movie continued to say it would release in theaters, which is technically true. Warner Brothers announced that Wonder Woman 1984 would release in theaters and HBO Max for subscribers on Christmas Day. The catch is that the movie is only available on HBO Max for 30 days, and then it continues to play only in theaters to finish its 90-day theatrical window. And then after that, it would probably go to normal video-on-demand stuff before coming back to HBO Max, which means go through the whole rental process, the buying process, and at some point later, come back to HBO Max. Um, we've talked a few times already on the show about what movies got the release date shifted. Since then, most of these movies have been shuffled around again. We, we haven't been updating every time this happens because it was happening so frequently that we can't keep track of this crap anymore. But the majority of them have all been pushed to next year. So everything that was basically due out this year has been pushed, if, as long as they still want it in the theater, has been pushed to 2021. Um, with the pandemic ongoing, every studio continued to push back their movies. 
or find other digital distribution models. So, you know, we all started to ask ourselves, and it was sort of the basis for what we were going to try to talk about for this episode was like, which studio will be the next one to release a big blockbuster movie on some sort of stream of service. And we were tossing around the idea, how to frame the question, how to figure out our topic to, you know, fuel this discussion. And then Warner brothers answered that question for us by dropping a bombshell last week saying that their entire slate of movies to be released in 2021 would be hitting HBO max the same day it hits theaters. The, this model that they're using for this whole slate is basically the same one they used for Wonder Woman 1984. HBO Max will get the film for free for 30 days, and then it will leave the service and continue to play in theaters to finish this theatrical window, and then hit regular video on demand, eventually come back to HBO Max. It's unclear how long those windows are, uh, but that seems to be the plan. So, of the movies that are coming to HBO Max in 20... or yeah, in 2021 from Warner Brothers. This is there's 17 movies on the list. So I have movies and release dates. Some of these I don't really know what they are, so and I didn't take the time to actually look them up, but we have The Little Things, which is due January 29th. Uh Tom and Jerry, which is the the Looney Tunes live action slash cartoon animated hybrid movie that they're trying to do. Uh March 5th, The Many Saints of Newark, which I'm pretty sure I read is actually a, a prequel for uh Fuck the Sopranos. It's oh, a yes. movie for I the Sopranos. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so that's March twelfth. Uh, Reminiscence, which I'm not sure what that is. April sixth. Uh, Godzilla versus Kong, which is a big contender that we're going to talk about a little bit for something else. Uh, that's May twenty first. And the, again, these are all the theatrical release dates that they were supposed to have. So we're assuming that that those dates are holding, and they're just going to go to HBO Max that day. We we haven't heard anything about release dates shifting at all. Um, next we have The Conjuring, The Devil Made Me Do It, June 4th, In the Heights, June 18th, one that I'm actually kind of excited about, because I've seen nothing about it other than hearing about it, and I just want to see what the hell this movie is like, Space Jam, A New Legacy, July 16th, <laughs> uh, The Suicide Squad, August 6th, Our Boy Denny V, and his, his movie Dune, October 1st, uh, apparently there is an Elvis movie, November 5th. Oh, shit. Uh, King Richard, November 19th, The Matrix 4, December 22nd, uh, four movies do not have release dates yet, uh, Judas and the Black Messiah, Malignant, Those Who Wish Me Dead, and apparently Warner Brothers is making a Mortal Kombat movie, and ah. that's coming out sometime next year. <laughs> yeah, that uh, James Wan is involved in, I believe. I was say, did you not Finish see okay. the cast was leaked? Fatality. Well, not leaked, I feel but like, like the cast was put out there's there as to who they've cast for certain. I feel roles. like I saw a headline for it at some place and and like meant to look at it or something and then completely forgot about it and heard nothing about it since then and then just it's on the list of movies coming out. I was like, oh shit, that's right, that's a thing. The, the only one I can remember off the top of my head is the guy that plays Hogan in the Thor movies. Uh, okay. okay. Um, is going to be Scorpion. Well, we're definitely going to have to come back to this on another episode because that's going to be a fun conversation. <laughs> uh, all right. So needless to say, this decision sh sent shockwaves through the movie industry. Not only were their movie theater chains blindsided by this announcement, but the creative people making these movies had no idea this was going to fucking happen. Actors and directors and other creatives that have been calling their agents incessantly, especially those that have deals in place that reward them based on box office performance. 
directors, of course, want their movie shown in theaters because that's where it was made to be shown. And if people were worried about pirating the movie before, Warner Brothers just gave the internet a pristine version of the movie to pirate. As soon as it hits HBO Max, they're going to be copied and spread around the internet like wildfire. Um, jumping back to Christopher Nolan, who Warner Brothers had so much faith in his movie that they would that it would re-energize the movie industry. He was quoted as saying, some of our industry's biggest filmmakers and most important movie stars went to bed the night before thinking they were working for the greatest movie studio and woke up to find out they were working for the worst streaming service. So he's not happy. Uh, It doesn't sound like Warner Brothers made any friends with their announcement. So this is from the director who worked with Warner Brothers. Christopher Nolan worked with Warner Brothers since 2002, and he's firing back at the studio, basically saying, fuck you guys, what the hell are you thinking? He's been with Uh, them since, like... Memento or Insomnia, right? Insomnia, I think, I think was the one they like, listed. Yeah, Prestige was theirs, probably. Like especially since like Batman, yeah. like probably everything he's done has been under that. Yes. Um, Josh actually just sent me this today. Our again, our our boy Denny V, uh, director of Dune, wrote an editorial for Variety, where he said he was also surprised that the movie he made for a theater will suddenly end up on HBO Max. He directs his anger at Warner Brothers parent company AT and T. Yep. And how they're more than $150, $150 billion in the hole and need HBO Max to be successful to recoup some of those costs. Um, so his anger isn't so much directed at Warner Brothers. It's directed at the people above Warner Brothers. And they're, you know, trying to appease Wall Street type of thing. Uh, the other thing that's been going on recently, too, Legendary Entertainment, the production company that co-financed Dune and Godzilla vs. Kong is on the verge of taking legal action against Warner Brothers over their decision. Their argument is that Warner Brothers basically got their films on HBO Max for free. At Probably a couple weeks before this announcement, and this is, I think, Mike was telling me about this before, and I, I kept telling it's rumors, we're going to wait and see what happens. Netflix was rumored to offer Legendary $250 million to get Godzilla vs. Kong on their service. Holy shit. Okay. Yeah. Before Legendary could give them an answer, Warner Media, the parent company of Warner Brothers, stepped in and said, No, 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 we're not you're not doing that. They blocked the offer, said this isn't happening. A few weeks later, the movie drops on HBO Max to the surprise of Legendary Legendary Entertainment, who had no idea this was gonna happen. And probably don't get any kind of money bump for that. Like right. they lost that on no... two hundred and fifty million dollars. Yeah, there's been no offer to be like, We're gonna put that movie on HBO Max for this amount of money. They just said it's dropping there. And we'll figure it out later. So currently they are negotiating to see if Warner Brothers can just buy the films from Legendary in order to let Legendary recoup some of those costs for the film and allow Warner Brothers to do whatever they want with the film. What I don't know is if somewhere in the fine print that that means the 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 director, the crew, the talent, that they would get compensated in some way in that deal or if it's basically just Warner Brothers covering Legendary and that's it. Like all these people are pissed off and they, there's well, – I feel like the more you look at this – what's that? I was just wondering who pays them would would come into that. Are they paid by Legendary? Legendary would still then be required to pay them. I think it- yeah. So I don't know if like the cost for the movie to put it on the service covers the talent, or if that's a separate issue. That's I guess what I'm not sure. No, like it's, no, it no, could- no. I meant like if 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 they if Legendary contracts them, Legendary is required to pay them. They contract them. true. So if my, they have the my- money, they got to pay them. Yeah, my my guess is that it's it's a little murkier too because Warner Brothers is probably both a producer and a distributor. So for like Legendary, they're distributing Legendary's creation. Right. So Legendary, 
yes, is probably like my I imagine that something has already happened that will cover production costs. You know, what are the salaries? What are this or that? That like that is probably right. covered. But as you know, Brian is saying, like all those extras that can come along with well, in my contract it says I get X percentage bump for you know reaching the these box makes, office yeah. milestones yeah. and and whatnot yeah that kind of stuff if which i, I can't f- imagine how they're gonna try to work I around i feel that. like you know warner brothers could skirt that issue legally because the movies are releasing in theaters it's not like they're skipping theaters altogether and there's not a chance that the actors or True. talent can get that percentage right it's just that if you put them in theaters during a pandemic and also put the movie on hbo max where subscribers watch it for free and then it's probably going to hit the internet where people that really want to find it can find it for free. There's less people going to the box office. These movies are not going to make money at the box office. So anyone dependent on box office returns are going to get fucked. Oh yeah. Especially if, if things are say like it's going to be even more stark in my opinion, if things get safer to do in the second half of the year, but yeah. you're also telling a lot of people. Well, to be fair, uh, HBO Max has like nine million subscribers. I think I heard, as compared to tens of millions for Disney Plus, and I think globally, uh, I think I heard Netflix is up to like two or three hundred million. But Jeez. even in those cases, you think if you're giving it to me for free for thirty days, I'm the type of person who like number one, why would I go spend extra money that I don't have to? And why would I, right. why would I leave the house? So even come right. like Dune time in October, right? There's a lot of people who could go back to the theater probably by that point, who are still going to opt out. Right. Yeah. So I don't know. It's I feel like the, the you know the more you look at this, the more it looks like this decision is going to cost Warner Brothers even more money, money that they apparently don't have to begin with. So you just start to wonder if this decision is actually going to pay itself off anytime soon. Um, so that's about all the details I wanted to cover to try to get us to where we're at. So trying to dive into this, like, what do you think of Warner Brothers decision to put all these movies on HBO Max? We'll just start there. Generally, how do you feel about this? Yay or nay type of thing for this decision? As a consumer who uh, has a subscription to HBO Max, I think it's really awesome that I get access to these movies right away. Would I rather see these movies in the theater? Probably just because the experience is so much better. And I'm not saying that my experience at home is bad or any kind of thing like that, but you, yeah. you can't beat like the screen and the, the darkening of the room. And then just like, there's no distractions. That's the only thing you're doing. You know, I just, yeah, I agree. It's awesome that I don't have to go out and spend the money. I don't have to like, I can be comfortable in like PJs or something or, you know, <laughs> So if given the option, like, say, like Josh was saying, dude comes out October. Let's say October, people are getting vaccinated. It's a little bit safer to go to the theaters. Theaters are obviously still trying to keep it as clean, as safe as possible to get people in the door. If, say you, say you like doing enough to watch it a couple times at home, but you're like, you know what? I want that theater experience. Would you actually take the chance to go to the theater in that, like, 60-day window between HBO Max and home video release to go see it? Speaking just for myself, I happen, I'm in a household with two professional adults with no kids and our economic means would 
not be really challenged for us to spend the extra money at a movie theater, even if a free option is available at a time when it is safe to do so. So, so you do the theater route once it, it's, I mean, Sarah and I have already said many times, like as soon as it is very clear and, and to preface this, like where we're coming from, we have been over like extraordinarily, uh, conservative about how we view the safety of being in the public. So yeah. we're really just, like, we've been hermits pretty much for 10 months so right. that being said, once it got to the point where it is publicly cleared that, look, everything is safe now, it's okay to start getting back out in public, it, go ahead and do things, people. Once that moment comes, we've said, even with these things, we will be back at the theater weekly the moment that there's shit to see. Well, I know, Josh, you're one of the people, because I ended up doing this too last year. I think it was the first year I did it, but signing up for the AMC uh, subscription service to go see three movies a week yep. at the theater. So eventually that's going to start kicking in again when theaters are safe to go back to and, and starts ramping up again. I'm going to be charged mm -hmm. for going to be able to see three movies a week if I want to. Um, and really, hypothetically, I guess, even if I just let that charge go, I'm still sort of helping to support theaters a little bit, even if I'm watching this stuff all at home for free. Sure through HBO Max. And I I mean um, I've thought about that the last couple of weeks too and I've thought specifically with a, a theater subscription type service cuz I know Cinemark has their own and I'm sure there's maybe some other chains around the country that do similar things. I wouldn't be surprised if in reaction to these things in in response to how long that industry has you know been hurt by by everything that's happened, I wouldn't be shocked if they say look, I know people probably liked this, but we got to do a modified version of this. Like either we're going to have to up prices for a while or we're going to have to like limit you to one movie per week. And honestly, I'm, am I rarely, I, I don't, there might've been twice in like a year and a half of us doing that program that we ever went to the movie, the theater more than once in the same week. Right. Yeah, I agree. So like, yeah. and, and I'd be absolutely willing to accept those things. I, I, I think it's like perspective is what is needed more than anything in like as as we hopefully get you know see the light at the end of the tunnel throughout of all of this and i'm not going to bitch and moan if they say oh guess what uh we have to up your 20 dollar per month charge or we have to limit what you're allowed to see etc like i'm not i'm not going to care yeah i mean it's... for me i think the gist of it is like i want to support my theaters and i don't want these things to close and don't come back when when we are safe to go out and see movies again i want theaters to be there ready to open or already open that i can actually go there mm -hmm. and they're not closed because they weren't getting business i think so the, that's the what key it takes important thing to keep in mind is when it's safe right when it's actually safe um and that that's going to be the big swing is when is it going to actually be safe we don't know Will it be in time for Dune? Hopefully. Yeah. But for me personally, it'll be something where I'll probably let the rest of the world get back to normal before I do. <laughs> That's fair. Um, I'll, I'll let a bunch of other people go out there and, you know, once people are out there again and it doesn't cause another great big spike in things and problems going on. And once people try to go back to normal and it doesn't have a bunch of negative repercussions that's when I would say, okay, it's time to go back to normal for me personally. 
Yeah. Um, that's not me not wanting to go to the movie theater. I want to be there. I want to do it. But I'd just rather be safe about the whole thing. Absolutely. Um, and as far as, you know, my own personal stance on it, I think it's a good thing what HBO Max is doing as a customer. Um, I'm not you guys. I don't go to the movie theater weekly. You know, I go when there's something I want to see. Yeah. So, you know, Warner Brothers putting these movies on HBO Max means I'll watch more of them sooner than I would have because a lot of these movies I'm not going to the theater for. Yeah. You know, like I'm Tom and Jerry. <laughs> I, I would not be going to the theater to see that. But if it's on HBO Max that first day, I'll probably watch it because I'll have nothing else to fucking do. New movie. Yeah. <laughs> um, You know, on that list, there's probably five or six that I would go to the theater for. And other than that, the rest of that list, I would probably watch day one now instead of God knows when, you know? Yeah. Uh, Andy, what do you think uh, theater-wise for you? Are you? Do you see yourself going to the theater at all during any of this stuff or waiting like Mike until it's uh, let other people go first? Um, it, I miss going to the theater uh, greatly. I think it's, it's a really fun experience and I just... Seeing movies in the theater is awesome. Like I'll even see like old movies in the theater. Last year, uh, you know, we went to see um, Christmas Vacation in the theater. You know, <laughs> and it was awesome. You know, like I I don't know that I've ever seen that in the theater. It was a really cool experience. So um, if it's safe, I think yeah, I'll definitely re be returning to the theaters. Okay. Um. I guess more to the point, do you think theaters are going to recover from this? I hope so. Eventually. I think when you, you brought this up before, and my, like my response to you when we talked about it briefly, um, I want to say, we was that Monday? So it might have been. Sounds right. Um, but uh, was, you know, drive-ins are still out there. They still exist. Right, yeah. You know, it, it's still a thing. I don't. You know, maybe movie theaters become less popular, but they'll still be there. They're not. They're not going anywhere. People. There's still enough people like us that love that theater experience. It's a thing. It's an event. It's not just plop on the couch and watch a movie. People want to go and pay ten dollars for popcorn for God knows what reason. <laughs> um, but no, it, it is. It's it's an event. It's a family event. It's something. It's not going to come out of Americana just because they had to shut down for a while. Somebody will pick up if AMC and Cinemark go out of business, so be it. Another company will open theaters. Yeah. And a lot of families use like movies as like a special occasion. I know uh, my family, like if it was your birthday month, you got to choose a movie to go to during your birthday month and the whole family would go see said movie. You know, and I feel like we're sort of missing that, like, special occasion, like dinner and movie. It's like, mm, a, yeah. you're almost missing, like, a, a, an opportune date night at, the, at that point, oh, too, yeah. for, for, like, you know, Match.com or eHarmony or whatever. Like, Fair point. Yeah, you know, What is a little it? A bit of calls at this point? <laughs> yeah. Watch like, digital, what? like, uh, uh, Zoom watch-along screen yeah, shares. Like, <laughs> yeah, screen shares. And you're just I like, gotta that, tell was, you, that was a good movie. not the you know? same. <laughs> <laughs> Skype calls with Grinder. It doesn't work. <laughs> uh, I I hope theaters recover. I really do. 
I mean, I could but, see some branches closing. Like, you know, right. there's three or four AMCs around me. I could see a couple of them going and just the main one sticking around. Like, I, th- I don't think Lowe's is going to, like, the waterfront's going to close. But there's one in Delmont. There's one in Greensburg. They don't, Delmont's I don't feel like closed. they get very, okay, so Delmont's gone. Delmont's going to be a busy beaver here any minute. I'm saying right, C- so, Cinemark at the Mills is gone, which means the Mills is basically gone because that's the only thing yeah. people yeah, went to that the, entire the mall been, for. The Mills has been gone for a while, I think. Yeah, I'm pretty sure somebody oh, yeah. bought that. Yeah. Um, I feel like Greensburg would be the next theater to go. I don't see that one sticking around by the mall. There might be one. It just so happens, like, right where we moved is very close to South Hills Village Mall, and there was an AMC there already, like, in the mall parking lot. There was a multiplex there. There happened to be a car mic a mile down the road inside the Galleria. Like, I guess they call it a mall to me. It's like a big, bigger building with stores to shop at it doesn't seem like a this doesn't feel like a traditional mall anyway when amc acquired and bought carmike they then bought that theater as well it was theirs yeah so they have two two different ones a mile apart i could probably see if anything were to possibly the one at the galleria going it's smaller it's like nestled inside the mall it's only like three or four screens um i don't know i i i think it's a I think it's a shame that a certain series of events pushed things to this point. And Brian, something you said very early on is absolutely right that I'm sure the distributors and the content producers would have looked for a way to increase their cut, minimize their costs, get things to consumers more directly. From their perspective, they've probably been clamoring for that for a a decade or more. Yeah. I understand, and in retrospect, I think AMC, I wouldn't say they blew the trolls thing out of proportion because at the time we were all, there's no way we all could have guessed 10 months later, this is where we would be. Right. Like we thought by May we're fine. So everyone just hold your shit for a month and we'll be fine. Yeah. That decision to put trolls on premiere at home was unprecedented at that point too so i feel Very like much. they needed to make that move i i think it was yeah. too last minute i think that's the issue because it was it's supposed that, to be theatrical the, like right at the time right it's it's that turn heel right when theaters are gearing up to have a release and planning for that and then it's just like nope by the way you're not getting this we're gonna we're gonna put it here now like it could have been one extra like... thing available ha- had things been okay to do like May opens up. Okay, well, you know, Trolls got delayed a few weeks, but hey, kids, families, bring your kids back, and we're all, you know, we're right. all doing this again. Um, I'm, I, personally, I, I come down on that. I come down on the other side of, you know, AMC. Um, suck it up and deal with what's going on in the world, and fuck your profits for a bit. At at that time, you know, yes, like get over. I, it. In, again, in, in retrospect, I I think I mean with the the uh, sort of the decision with with Onward that we mentioned. Onward was out for like a week, and I think Disney's decision to do it was not. I, 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 this is complete conjecture, but was not as much, um, trying to test out any of these waters whatsoever. It was oh, this movie that we've been promoting for six months just came out. And theaters are going to be closed for the next month and a half in an, due to an event that hasn't happened for a century. We're going to try to give the U.S. at least, I don't know if they released it globally, whoever has access to Disney Plus, but we're like, it was basically a, a goodwill 
yeah. move for the world. Like, oh, like shit is serious and nobody knows how to react to this right now. Okay, world, here, here, here's something for the next, you know, you're going to be inside yeah. for the next three or four weeks at the minimum at this point. Take this, take this world to have yeah. something to smile about. The trolls move then that followed later, I, I feel could still fall into those waters as well. And yes, they're charging for it, but they, you know, they, they weren't like Disney. They also don't, they weren't a producer and a distributor and had an access channel themselves and all that. They didn't, you know, Universal didn't have the infrastructure in place to, to be all those things. They weren't that vertical, vertically integrated. Right. Yeah. Um, but I, I, I think at the time AMC probably blew it out of proportion, but I understand both sides of the coin over the next Eight to nine months, though, I think a combination of the public's, you know, I, I, I unfortunately have to generalize it this way just because this is how, how it's played out. If we would have all accepted, and by all, not just the four of us, but the country at large, especially, would have accepted, here's the rules we need to follow. We need to do it for this period of time, and we are all going to accept, effectively, the public debt that comes along with supporting everybody who cannot earn a living for the time period needed until this solution is reached and this issue is resolved. That's effectively in my mind, that's what should have happened. There should have been a, a complete agreement on, okay, these industries have to shut down. We need to take care of the people who can no longer earn a living as a result of them mandating being out of work. And theaters especially were one of those industries that had this back and forth and jostle and the content providers and the distributors tried their own things and whatnot. And that, you know, each little thing that they tried, like Milan, like Tenant, some of the bigger companies either took that as evidence of something that they were theorizing or like you said they just used it as an excuse to go ahead and execute something they'd been holding out for years which i think that's a lot of it too, and, yeah and now you know warner has taken the plunge and put them in this position if there was and my coach sort of alluded to it in my in earlier but i i i think this is honestly what played into it the most movie theaters like several other industries should never have been reopened yet. And again, oh, yeah. publicly, yeah. we all should have supported those who could no longer work in those industries for that time period. And because of that, if a Disney or a Universal or an HBO, um, you know, AT&T, Time Warner, whoever the hell they are, um, if they then said, look, the, the, the traditional place that we give these things is not even available and it's not it's 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 better for us all that it's not available right now we're still going to give you this entertainment we're going to give you this content and maybe we're putting it on our streaming service maybe you're getting it for free maybe there's a vod charge for it maybe we're going to work with and, and, and my personal feeling is i think they should have worked with the theater owners association which is a nationwide large trade group to say we're going to come up with some kind of universal agreement or infrastructure to offer these things and here is the 
here's the uh, revenue sharing. Yeah, if they would if they would have sort of centralized it so that you also don't just uh, favor AMC, which is already the largest company, because your one-off small theaters chains, even like it's like Cinemark. I don't do they have a VOD option now? I don't think they do, but I haven't checked to be honest. So probably not. So if they don't, that's the second largest chain in the country, and they don't even have that infrastructure. So there's no way your mom and quote mom and pop theaters are going to do that. It doesn't matter if AMC gets all of the, you know, premier access VOD rentals and, and it's on. If I remember I right, I think nobody, no one else is going to have access to that. I think AMC's video on demand thing through their app or service or whatever it is. I'm pretty sure that went online right around the time universal tried this bullshit. I feel pre- pre- pretty so, much. Cause I thought I remember the hunt being one of the first like that and bloodshot being, which all released around the right same around time. March. Yeah. So it was like once, you know, you know, AMC started to see Universal do this. They're like, whoa, whoa, wait, wait, we have to have an avenue for this stuff to come to us too. You're not just going to jump us completely. We need to have a place to go if you want to do video on demand stuff. And then they, again, something was probably in the works that they were just like, nope, we have to do this right now because this is where it's happening. So I think, yeah, every, everybody's been forced to just do stuff ahead of schedule, which, and, and, you know, now we're all just scrambling to figure They're all scrambling just to figure out how this works together. Like, these things were going to happen anyway, but now that they're happening ahead of time, how, you know, it's not part of their ultimate plan to do it now. So now it's like, well, how do we, they're trying to almost retcon it or or reverse engineer how this stuff is going to work together mm-hmm. instead of everyone just trying to one-up each other. And I think you're right. The idea that they're they're going to back into, well, it's still available technically in theaters. Yeah. At, right. At, at a time where, like, we're all here in the state of Pennsylvania, where we just all effectively went back to nearly what 75 percent of the initial lockdown that we had in march well and and i think i I mean people aren't gonna go to the damn movie theater well and this is something i was gonna say earlier but actually they can't now theaters are ordered to close as of midnight tonight that we're recording this (laughs) I, i think it's something where you know we've talked a lot about them looking to find out what's gonna work for them they're looking yeah. at all this data. They're looking at trying this out, trying that out, and all this stuff. And none of the data they get from this whole deal is going to be relevant once it's over. You know, like well, so, I think the the difference is if they get it in the door now and people get addicted to or used well, accustomed to it. having stuff on their phone or you know at their home available day and date release with a the theater. Oh, no, no one's going to want to go to the theater. I get that, but I don't think it's still going to be a consistent expectation that they can have based off of data they get now, where everybody's already just at home. You right, know, but like, that's going to be their justification for doing it later. So when we're finally safe to go back to the theater, they're going to point to all this stuff, regardless of it's relevant or not, because people are forced to stay home. They're going to say, this is working. This is where the money is. And not to mention, you know for a fact that the people that are going to get access to this stuff now, when stuff is safe, these are going to be the same people bitching that this stuff is not available to them now that we are safe and they can go somewhere. If you're going to start <laughs> oh, telling I will people, absolutely be one of those people. <laughs> yeah, if you want to, you know, the stuff that all these movies that are especially the stuff that's going to come out in 2021, say October is good to go and we're every, everybody's back in theaters. Warner Brothers is going to be probably, at this point it seems like, the only studio that's going to be putting stuff day and date release on demand and in theater. So every other studio is probably going to be hearing it from someone, some consumer somewhere, that why isn't my this stuff available to me just like this other stuff is right now. Now granted, 
those studios that are putting stuff in theaters are going to make friends with the creators of said movies because they are doing what they intended. There is more box office revenue there. That's a better way to get profits for the movie. Everyone behind the scenes agrees. It's the consumers that are going to get pissed. Those are the ones that are going to complain on the internet. And that's when changes get made because assholes just like to complain on the internet about whatever the fuck they want to. And somehow they get their way. I mean, I feel like, like I said, in this case, we'll see things are going to change for sure. How much is going to be the question at the end of it? And like you're saying with them using the data to try and push what they want. I mean, movie studios have, if they believe they can make the same amount of money off of putting things at home, they'll go for it. I honestly still don't believe they can. No, and I don't think so either. I think that's the the other linchpin in this is that as much as theaters and studios want to fight each other on how to distribute movies, they need each other to distribute movies. These movies have to go to a theater to recoup and make a profit. I can't imagine that they are... That's the only thing, except it depends if you're looking at straight revenue, perhaps not. But they might also be avoiding a certain amount of a chunk of costs associated with exhibiting films. That if they're saving that, then even though they're bringing in less revenue, they could still be turning the same profit. So even ballpark... Or at least a profit that they're happy with. Right. A movie like Dune, traditionally speaking, big blockbuster movie costs, we'll say, $200, $200 million to make. You put that in the theater, you know, I feel like within the first two weekends, you're going to figure out if that movie was a hit or not, and whether or not they made their money back, how much of a profit they made, and traditionally, good-reviewed, good-word-of-mouth blockbusters could make $500 million to a $1 billion. Mm-hmm. I don't think they're going to get that return, even if they cut some costs releasing releasing it straight to their own video on demand service. They're not going to get that money back. And the the, the big difference with HBO's move, somewhat differently than what Disney Plus tried, is that I mean, you basically go to the Netflix model, which is there is no way I I can't assume. I mean, unless you really dig into data, but there's no way to assume or conclude that a particular offering or even set of offerings is the reason that somebody gave you those subscription dollars. For something like Disney, they could make an assumption um, based on what they did with Mulan. It's probably why they looked at it that way is they could say, okay, so after Mulan came, how many people paid for it? And then they can see how many people then signed up. And also paid for Mulan. Sure. And how many signed up and didn't. And sure. They could attribute that in that one one off instance. They had that opportunity, but they'll never have it again. Correct. Well, I'm sure Warner Brothers is gonna be watching their subscription numbers on Christmas Day to see who buys into the service for Wonder Woman. which I which I agree. True. But the and, and I think like go the comments that Nolan and Denny V made in their uh editorial in their in their comments, which uh, seriously go, we'll Go back to the page, the show page on Facebook or Twitter, and look at those interviews. Um, they do not parse words. Oh, they, yeah. they like it, it, if they were ever worried about biting the hand that feeds, their hand just got bit the f off. But they didn't. Which care. makes me wonder if they will ever actually work for Warner Brothers again. Like, did Warner Brothers just lose two very big name directors for their studio? And I mean, the difference. Not, not to mention, like the talent. Actors wise, like if mm-hmm. it were me, if I were like a big time actor and I 
expected to be on the big screen i mean that's a big career thing for maybe like a newer actor or you know like a mid-range actor to put yourself out there on a big screen you know that could be something that turns you from like a c-list actor to like a b or an a-list actor you know that could be your big break and then all of a sudden you are now a made for tv movie actor not not (laughs) some tv movie actors but to a degree you are yeah yeah, and I said the the different like the difference I've, with HBO's attempt at this is the comments that both Nolan and Denny V made were that this is purely because this product you've sank all this money into and that you have up is not doing the business that you thought it would yet, and you are just doing this to drive hopeful subscribers to that particular thing, and there's little to in my eyes, there's very little confidence that you could derive in the statistics in looking at subscription trends around the releases of those things. Yeah, I feel like the... Um... And especially to do the accounting and say, oh, well, this movie cost $400 million to make and to pay people and to do marketing. How do we d- determine whether we made that back or not in x number of subscribers that we're just estimating out of the air i'm sorry Andy, yeah, i feel like terms the of... board or committee is they're all just sort of like come on lucky number seven come on <laughs> seven crossing their fingers and just hoping to god that this works i mean they're already what 150 billion dollars and that's debt. at&t no but still that's, that's, and that's, that's probably due to a lot parent. of uh, a lot of investment in this kind of thing a lot of investment in acquisitions yeah. they just keep buying other yeah, companies they keep buying stuff and it, none of it's paying off like no decision they make in this realm of what we're talking about will make them back that money no in my no, opinion and that's why i don't think it no. has anything to do with it like personally i think that's what they're targeting is like oh hbo max is failing and don't get me wrong christopher nolan denny they make great movies but on this i again i fall on the other side of this with them um because they're blaming it on the wrong thing. Okay. Like, why are they doing this? Because if they put these movies in theaters, they're not going to make a fucking dime and they want to release them. And what are they going to do when they finally can release movies again and have people in the theater pack all these movies into the same month. And then they're not going to make a fucking dime. Well, to, to, yeah, I guess that's the, that's the flip side of it. But to, to Nolan and Denny V's point, they're, completely happy delaying their movie another year if it means it's going to make it to a theater. And I don't even know, I mean, Tenet underperformed. It did not make a lot of money, but I don't I didn't see anything about Christopher Nolan talking about being disappointed in his box office returns for Tenet. I'm sure he's he no. care about box office returns. Doesn't affect uh, I if they're <laughs> if they're dependent on something for how much that movie makes in theater, he's got to be pissed it, off if it didn't make a lot of money. I I'm guessing if any yeah, he, there, there's Why no way that he made money. There's no way he wasn't, but at that point, what are you going to do? Bitch and moan to the world that's dealing with a global virus? Yeah. He took it diplomatically. The artist he, in these people wants the films to go where they intend right. them to be made. So whether or not it gets released in theaters during the middle of a pandemic and nobody sees it, it still made it to a theater. You're, you're still satisfying the artist. Which, yeah. which I agree. And, and, that, and that's... I, I also, again, I, I do believe that you could soften the blow that these creators are feeling by at the very minimum feel like you are 
spreading the benefit of money spent to view their product to as many people as possible. So if it's the difference between it barely being seen by anyone in theaters and it going to 10 to 15 million HBO subscribers, right. as opposed to, look, here is a central place that the theater industry is temporarily a part of. And even though many of you will not see this in the intended environment, we know that the benefit is going to be shared among the rest of the industry that has supported us for 130 years, as opposed to just right. this one company unilaterally making this choice and limiting, limiting any windfall just to them. Well, I mean, Mike, to Mike's point, too, like the if they delay the movies another year, we're going to get to a point where all these movies that got delayed this year and get delayed next year and keeps getting pushed. We're going to hit a bottleneck of all these movies. Just, just have it to be released all back to back together to, to some degree. But and I think we're, we're also still at the point money when they do that, th they may be, but we're also at the point where very little can like very little new can be produced. So at right. some point you will have so an evening period. Well, and you gotta remember not the rest of the world isn't dealing with this the same way that we are. And a lot of the rest of the world is able to make movies and do things where they're filming and such in other places that aren't here. That's fair. Yeah, plus even, yeah, American movies, you know, traditionally stuff that would be shot in L.A. or something, they're shooting in Canada or overseas somewhere just to get a set, you know, a country that's passable, not having as big of an outbreak or under control. I mean, there's extensive testing and all the stuff that's on production sites now to get people, keep people safe, but they are still able to work yeah. and still produce things. I mean, they wrapped... Part of the Disney release stuff that they were talking about, they just wrapped Shang-Chi. That's been shooting during the yeah. last couple months. Uncharted so they finished wrapping finished. that one. Right. Un Uncharted's done. They're in the process of shooting Spider-Man 3. Batman's so, back in production and yeah, or back in shooting and whatnot. Yeah. Like they're, it, it's happening with all these movies, and they're, just, they're still making movies, and they're just not releasing them. It, yeah. It's kind of like what we're saying, and when do you get to a point where you've made so many that when do we release all of these? And then are we going to stop production for a while in Hollywood just because we have too many movies to release? We're not going to do that. So what's this? This is a solution. This the, For the time being that we're dealing with this whole crisis, this is a solution. Well, I think another point that either, I can't remember if it was Danny V or Nolan, but one of them kind of said like, or maybe it was one of the theater chains, that Warner Brothers' announcement caught these people off guard not because like we're in the middle of a pandemic and and this is what's going to be able to just get content out there for people it's that now we're at a point where a vaccine is actually being talked about and this might actually be like people are starting to feel like we're coming out of the other end because now they're talking about a vaccine and getting it to the masses and trying to get to a point where we can be safe had they done this six months ago i think people would have been fine or a little this this decision would have been easier to swallow for theater chains and, and stuff like that. But the fact that we're starting to get to a place where people are starting to see a light at the end of the tunnel, it's like, well, if we just suck it up, like Josh said, for another three to four, six months, we might be able to come out of this on the other side and be okay. Like, why we now? We all know that's not going to happen. We all know where this is still going to end up. It's going to end up with, like, I'm not, I don't want to get too far into, like, the whole vaccine and the, the virus and everything, but we're going to end up with unaffordable vaccines for people that can't go and get them, and we're not going to have enough of them, and it's going to be backed up for a long time. 
Yeah. One way I mean, or another. That's the reality of it. If they don't want to accept that, that's on them. But that's what's about to happen. Is you're about to well, everybody's got their optimistic and, and pessimistic look about this. Theaters are trying to be optimistic and saying, you know, four months we might be okay. And, you know, you could say Warner Brothers is taking the pessimistic approach and this is going to last another year. So we got to do something now to hedge our bets. Well, I think what they're taking is even if things start to go back to normal, when are people really going to feel safe enough to go back and sit in a crowded theater with no space between you and another person and no space between them and, you know, what, however many people fit in the theater, 150, 200, depending on the, you know, the theater size and pack that tightly in with a bunch of people in a small enclosed space. When are people going to feel safe doing that? Not just when are we actually going to have a cure or a vaccine or whatever. When yeah. are people actually going to go back to spending money in the theater? The, I yeah, I guess it's, the general you know, the general public, given the fact that we are where we are because of how the general public has behaved, they'll be back. Parts of the general public. They'll right, but I got I got to say that's why it's the general public. Um, they'd be back next week if you told them to go. Enough people. We are where we are because people didn't follow the basic simple rules that they didn't really need to be told to do. They definitely broke the rules that they were told to follow. So I don't have confidence in the general person whatsoever. If you told them theaters will open next week. I, and that's... I, I not to the sizes, but I bet they would be at sixty to seventy-five percent typical capacities of where you could traditionally believe they would be nearly immediately. That is extremely optimistic. You're saying next week you told people, "Yeah, go back, it's fine." Um, I mean, I wouldn't because <laughs> I'm not an idiot. I think that's very. But if very you tell the general, no, no, that's that's week. what I'm saying. I'm not. I'm not being optimistic. I'm being extraordinarily cynical about how the average typical person thinks and behaves yeah i mean i i feel like i'm i'm i not that not not that you're telling them it's safe to do but it's okay to do there's yeah i i i agree the cynical nature of of with josh that you know people are we're in this because people weren't adults about it so the people that don't want to be adults about it are just going to be like what well you're encroaching on my freedoms i'm going to do whatever the fuck i want to do and they're going to go anyway um but more to the point, I have seen emails from Cinemark who still emails me every so often saying, look, we're safe. Come to the theater. Mm-hmm. They've said, like, they are spacing out three or four seats between people. The The way people pick seats, they're making sure there is space between them. So even if people go to the theaters, they're not going to be at the capacity that Mike's talking about. So we will. Be, it will be a while before we get to a packed theater. So right. where's where's the line? Like, I guess I don't know what people are looking for. If they just want people to go to the theater, period, and – sell out or or have a decently uh a decent number of people in the theater for what they can fit now based on regulations and spacing and what or are we looking for people to go back to the theater like we were two years ago like i don't know where the what people really want out of this i mean i mean if you're warner brothers you want to make your money off of these movies you paid lots of money to make these movies right and socially distanced theater going is not going to do that. It's just not. You know, right. if, if you're going three, four seats between people, that's a quarter capacity. Yeah. Well, that That's what shocks me more about this decision so, then, which is, again, if, if the choice that they're making then doesn't guarantee, in my mind, that they can confidently track what they're making from the movies. 
I, I think it's more of a punt situation. They're saying, look, we're not going to, like, this. the way this is gone, we're stuck with this. And we can either pack things in and cost our other movies, making their box office in the future by putting these ones so tightly packed with them, or we can put these out there, we can get as many people on HBO Max as persistent subscribers as we can, and we can plan for the future of the movies that we have planned to make an impact at the box office. And say, we're kind of fucked with these ones no matter what we do right now. You're being, so why not try to make you know the best of them? You're being much more generous to them than I would be. You're, like I, I, I agree with the first <laughs> half of that, but I don't take the second half as altruistically that they... I, I think... Like I think we're in this, Brian. It sounds like where your head is. Where I think they have no other option. Well, and in not in in the way that this is setting up the power play to. Uh, I was trying to like I was air quoting because everyone's looking at me funny, but like they have no other option. <laughs> thing like they're telling people we have no other option, but really they were going to do this anyway. Well, and and, and, and once twenty twenty one is over, this is what they want to keep doing. For for right. that, like I I'm not I I don't see them as if the just, business model works. Yeah, this right. is not. Oh, let's let's if, take this opportunity to deal with the too. dice that we've you know rolled and and the cards that the world has been dealt, and you know then we want to leverage this for the future going forward into going back to the box office. I fully immediately took this as they are looking to change the entire industry, at least the corner of it that they control and own and interact with for the foreseeable future. It's it's the quote from Emperor Palpatine in episode two, where he says, I will lay this power down once this crisis had, has averted. No, they're not. Ah, <laughs> We've just seen the Emperor. Yeah, but I don't know. Like, I, I think you guys are far too cynical on the Warner Brothers side of this. Okay. I, I, don't, I don't think it's as cynical as you think. I just think they're backed into a corner. I honestly do. Like, it, to me, I just don't see what the hell else they do. I well, I mean, they had an option and they took it. If they just put them in theaters, I think I think Mike, to coming? your point, you know, I think I think to to a point, yes, I think they they had to do something with this these movies specifically. What I think they did wrong was the execution of that plan. I think from from a little bit that I've read, it seemed like the things that skipped theaters or for somewhere pulled from theaters and then and then put on a service. There was a lot of conversations behind the scenes between theaters, distributors, talent, everybody saying, we're going to do this. What do we need to work out to make this work? A plan was devised. Everybody agreed yeah. upon it. And then it happened. This, this decision was, was Warner just Brothers like, blindsiding yeah. everybody saying, we're just going to do it. We're, we're going to figure out the rest later. And like, didn't and even talk to people. Yeah, didn't even talk to anybody about it. Ready, like, fire, like, aim. Be, yeah. If you they make were a just movie like... for three years, expecting it to be in theaters next month. And then today, Warner Brothers is like, it's going to HBO Max. Fuck you. <laughs> like, I, that's the problem. Yeah, there needed to be conversation before this this happened with the creators of the movies that they're moving. Yeah. And, and the exhibitors. Yes. And I think it's gonna, what's going to be funny is if, if they wait and see over the next year if this plan works. Mm -hmm. Keep an eye on the leadership for HBO and see who gets fired or promoted out of all the shit that just happened. <laughs> It'll be definitely interesting oh. to... to track here together as as things go on the next couple of months on a yeah. different note though yeah. i'd like to um sort of bring up that i think this will hurt most like 
big blockbuster type movies, but for the like more obscure or like indie type films that I really know nothing about, it makes them so much more approachable for me. Um, like unless it's like big, strong word of mouth that all like all my friends are like, oh my god, this movie that you've never heard of is really awesome. I'm not going to go see it in the theater. But yeah. now that it's just like it's on my screen i can click on it right now and watch it i've never heard of this movie the synopsis looks cool like the little trailer that gave me looks cool i think this is a really i don't want to call it innovative but it's it's a really neat way to get the obscure and indie movies more screen time i guess I think that's what Mike said earlier is like there's stuff that's going to hit the service now that he wouldn't normally go to the theater to see but because it's there on hbo max he will watch it so yeah, I think I think you know if if the artist wants more people to view their product, I think this is probably a good way to do that. Because again, we're all sort of saying the same thing. If it's there, and I don't really know what it is, but it's something something I wouldn't go out of my way to see in the theater, but because it's in my home right now for free, I watch it. It it kind of makes me wish that Warner Brothers was sort of like picky choosy with with what movies they did this with instead of just like grabbing them all and being like, "Fuck you, HBO." They <laughs> yeah. they were like, "Okay, you know, like Dune, let's let's push it." Um what other were some other big ones? Um Kong versus Godzilla. Godzilla. Kong versus Godzilla like push it. The Conjuring. Know, like the 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 Conjuring yeah. push it. Big movies that that really I I I'm, I'm just it's just conjecture, but probably would do better in the theater. Right. You know. Uh, I, I really think wish that, that Warner they Brothers sort of cherry picked them a little bit. You would think Warner Brothers as a studio at least this is, a, I don't know how the business works really behind the scenes, but this is what I'm assuming someone like Disney does, who makes a shit ton of money off of all their big blockbusters in the theaters. And I'm hoping that they sort of distribute that money amongst their studios or their film studios to make lower budget stuff. And it's sort of like it's one to feed the other, not just like they're all grouped together into one thing. So theoretically, if the stuff goes to theaters and still makes money, then it would feed the smaller indie movies to be able to, like you'd make more smaller indie movies because you're making money on the blockbusters. So almost like like an internal profit sharing. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Um. All right. We've talked about this pretty long. Do we want to wrap up with anything else for this one? <laughs> I think I've gotten all my thoughts out. Add to. No. Okay. Yeah, I think I think each one of us had a little bit of a rant going on for that thing. <laughs> this is like some big shit going on. Uh, all right, so we're going to spin to Disney stuff, which, again, could be very time-consuming. So we're going to try to get through this as quickly as possible. Um, as mentioned above, Disney had an investor call yesterday where they talked about upcoming projects from their different studios. So we got reveals from Lucasfilm, Marvel Studios, Pixar, Walt Disney Animation, Walt Disney Pictures, Nat Geo, as well as ESPN and Hulu. Uh, there's a ton of shit here. Uh, we could very easily get bogged down talking about each and every one of these. I'm going to do my best to run down the list of stuff that I tried to share on Twitter that had caught my attention. So this will not be everything. Um, it's going to be a lot of stuff, but not everything. So I encourage you to check out our Facebook page or Twitter. Um, I put up some articles that summarize what's coming from everybody. Uh, so you can see the full list. It's out there if you want to see what's coming. Uh, so I'm just going to hit some highlights and then, uh, we're going to open it up with everybody. We had all of us pick two things we want to talk about out of this list of crap. Uh, and I'm going to maybe shorten it to like seven, eight minutes per topic to try to just keep moving us along here. Can you do your um, list in like a rap or a song? No. <laughs> like no. the Animaniacs or something? You know, like... I, I am definitely not that talented. <laughs> We're so that than we need would it. be badass. That was a great poll. 
<laughs> um, all right. So again, bear with me as I rattle through all this stuff, because I'm just going to read the bullet points that are on Twitter. So at least we give it a little bit of a summary of what these are and what's going on. Uh, first one up, and this is, I think, something they, they had a had a trailer for at one point, and now I don't remember when the trailer came out. But Raya and the Last Dragon, which is an animated movie, is going to be released in theaters and on Disney+, Plus, sort of with the Mulan model. It says Premier Access on March 5th, 2021. There's no price point listed. So I don't know if this is going to be another $30 rental, if they've learned from Mulan and maybe do $20. I don't know. So at any point, I wanted to ask this question quick when we got to the Premier Access thing. I didn't know when you were going to get there, but... yeah. Have they detailed what that is? I think Premier Access is, at least as far as I know, that's just associated with movies you will have to pay extra for. I was thinking, are they perhaps considering something along the lines of what HBO Max is doing as an additional fee on top of their standard service? That was rumored before the call that like maybe Premier Access is a different tier of content. So you pay a little bit extra for a month, but you have access to all this other stuff, yeah. which still could be fine. But I I didn't actually look into it hard okay. difficult you know that detailed to see if that's what the plan was. But this was the bullet point that Disney put up. They didn't say anything in their tweets about different tiered subscription services for Disney Plus. So I didn't I didn't put anything up about that. Who okay. thinks they're going to call it Disney Plus Plus? <laughs> <laughs> the Disney they'll just the rename Disney, the Disney the Plus Plus Rush Disney minus. <laughs> you'll, just, you'll just be Disney minus on the standard so <laughs> Disney plus on the uh, one thing that's been rumored for or confirmed for FX and I think it got delayed with some showrunner issues and stuff like that but Why the Last Man is happening it's coming to FX drama series based on the acclaimed comic book series by the same name written by Brian K, Brian K. Vaughn and Pia Guerrera uh, starring Diane Lane coming exclusively to FX on Hulu uh, something else that I, th- I think Josh got interested about. Alien is currently in development at FX Networks. Yes. First TV series based on the classic film series helmed by Fargo and Legion's Noah Hawley. Didn't so that could be Billy huge. Scott was involved in that too? I don't know. Like he's if they did, I missed it. it. It wasn't in the bullet point thing on their, on their tweet, which is where I'm basing all this stuff off of. Okay. Um... Rangers of the New Republic, an original series set within the timeline of The Mandalorian coming to Disney+. Plus. So this is a Star Wars series. So I don't. there's no cast listed for this. I don't know who the Rangers are. I feel I, like there's some... We could figure out some spinoff stuff probably after this season, I'm thinking. but I, I had heard rumblings of Cara Dune getting her own series, which could okay. be that, but that's that just fit. rumblings, you know? Yeah. Um... At no surprise, Ahsoka, a new original series starring Rosario Dawson, set within the timeline of The Mandalorian, coming to Disney+. Plus. So we all kind of figured that the Ahsoka episode, I think it's safe to assume, was a backdoor pilot for a series. Well, that is true. That's coming. Uh, we got a scissor reel for the Cassian Andor show, which is basically just some behind-the-scenes footage. Uh, scissor reel confirms 12 episodes for Andor. So it's a Disney Plus series with Diego Luna, Diego Luna coming back as Cassian Andor set before the events of Rogue One. Uh, the Obi-Wan Kenobi series, they've confirmed Hayden Christensen is returning as Darth Vader. Uh, the original series begins 10 years after the dramatic events of Revenge of the Sith, coming to Disney Plus. On that real uh, quick, I just want to ask, is there yeah. any point in, I guess it would only be A New Hope, do they ever allude to... I guess they wouldn't have because they didn't know what the previous story was at that point yet. 
there's never been a previously mentioned time that after, like, in between episodes three and four, that they ever meet again. No. Okay. It's, it's, honestly, there, that's a bit of Star Wars lore that I'm, I'm, I want to see explained mm-hmm. because I think it's, I don't know when Obi-Wan discovers Darth Vader is Anakin Skywalker. I think as far as Obi-Wan knows, Anakin died on Mustafar. And then oh, Darth okay. Vader shows up. So did he put two and two together? Does he figure that out? I, I am under the assumption he doesn't know Darth Vader is Anakin Skywalker. Gotcha. That's true. Yeah, the way that's said. You even think about like the way it's worded. Yeah, I mean, I always assumed he was trying to like fool Luke. Or not fool Luke, but maybe just not tell him like Darth Vader's your father. He knew I think by the time we get to episode four, he knows who he is. But, but see, I think even the they're... wording in that, like... Yeah, it's, it's sound, yeah, I mean, it sounds like he's trying to just Luke. be elusive, but like by yeah. not referring to him properly and, and, and revealing that. But that, that, and that's why I asked. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, ahead. so that's... I can't imagine we're going to see Hayden's face. Like, if he is Darth Vader, Darth Vader's in the armor. So, I don't know, we're just going to have Hayden in the armor, which is still kind of cool to know he's in there, but, like, why Why do you need Hayden for that? So, I, I don't know. We'll see. But, I mean, I'm excited, but we'll see. Having some mask flashbacks. What's that, Mike? I had just suggested flashbacks to the Clone Wars mm. era. Yeah, which that'd be cool too. That'd be yeah. really cool. Uh, speaking of Clone Wars, uh, we got a sizzle reel for the Bad Batch, which is the animated spinoff series from the Clone Wars from Lucasfilm Animation coming to Disney+. Plus. No release date, just says coming soon. Uh, Disney announced uh, Galaxy's favorite scoundrel Lando Carizian will return in Lando, a brand new event series for Disney+. Plus. Justin Sim- Simeon? Sim- Sim- yeah, Simeon is in early stages of developing the project. So there's no cast listed for this. I am assuming it is not Billy D. Williams, but I don't know. I also read that this is animated. Oh, okay. That yeah. press release does not say that. That was my other question was, is it going to be live action or animated? Some of these if are, it's animated, question. Yeah, if it's animated, I could definitely see Billy D coming back to voice the character. I am not 100% on that, but I did see a couple places that that listed it as animated. Okay. okay. Yeah, if it's if it's animated, give me Billy D. If it's live action, I want to see Donald Glover's Lando show back up. Agreed. I think that'd be fun. Uh, Leslie Headland brings a new Star Wars series to Disney Plus with the Acolyte. This is a mystery thriller that will take viewers into a galaxy of shadowy secrets and emerging dark side powers in the final days of the High Republic era. And this I believe, sounds really cool. Yeah, Andy, you were the one that kept telling me about Russian Doll on Netflix, which I Russian have not Doll watched. Russian Doll is a very cool series on Netflix, and this is the showrunner from Russian Doll, I believe. Yes. Uh, I, I know, what's her name, Natasha and Leon? Is that her mm-hmm. name? Um, also had uh, a lot to do with Russian Doll as well, but this was, I don't know, the, 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 um, the rudder, I guess, to Russian Doll. Um, and it just, from the description, it sounds cool, a mystery thriller in the Star Wars universe having to do with the High Republic and, um, Dark Forces, like, I'm in. Yeah. And the, the High Republic era... Uh, I think we might have talked about it. I might have posted about it uh, a couple months ago. It actually kicks off in January. It's it's the whole set of novels and extended literature that Star Wars. It's a new era for Star Wars that they are starting to promote, and there will be information and lore there 
So I don't know when, the, there's no release date for this series, but if you start reading the books, which take place in the High Republic era, you're going to fit right at home with this series that apparently takes place at the, t- at the tail end of all that stuff. So I think that's going to be really cool just to see all that connectivity there. And for the listeners, the High Republic era is what? It's like 100 to 200 years before the events of Phantom Menace? Yeah, it's, it's, like, it's, it's a not, couple hundred. It's not thousands of years in the right. know, beforehand. It's just a couple hundred, I believe. Yeah, it's not like Old Republic no. era. It's it's technically, I guess, after Old Republic stuff. So we're not we're still not getting Knights of the Old Republic, but it's it's an era in Star Wars where there are still a lot of Jedi Knights at yes. you know the height of their power type of stuff. So Completely I'm very interested to see where they go. Hundred yeah. percent new content here. New characters, everything. Um Lucasfilm Animation is teaming with Lucasfilm's visual effects team, ILM, to develop a special Star Wars adventure for Disney Plus, a droid story. Epic Story will introduce us to a new hero guided by R2-D2 and C-3PO. Uh, an original series from Lucasfilm starring Warwick Davis, Willow, is coming to Disney Plus in 2022. Pilot will be directed by John M. Chu, who I feel like I should know what he does, but I don't know off the top of my head. Neither do I. I recognize the name, but it doesn't... Yeah, I think Josh is looking it up, so get back to me. Uh, Lucasfilm is in pre-production on the next installment of Indiana Jones. Directing this one, James Mangold, which I think is the first uh, official announcement we have for James Mangold directing Indiana Jones 5. Harrison Ford is set to return. Uh, Arrives July 2022. If it was not for James Mangold, I'm sorry, I laughed out loud about this I think one. we, yeah. Didn't James Mangold do The Wolverine? He, uh, and yes. Logan. Okay. And most recently, Ford versus Ferrari. Yes. Like, he, he has a good resume, but when they still say, because this this has been on and off again ever since Crystal Skull, and that was 12 years ago at this point. And Harrison yeah. Ford's like 94 now. <laughs> I, I mean, it's not Spielberg and Lucas I know. digging their claws into him again, which might be actually good this time. I'm I'm gonna miss Spielberg. Lucas not writing a script for it. I'm okay with right now. Fair enough. After the last one, I think it's good to just have a complete reset, though. Yes. Let's see what someone that's a fan of the franchise can do with the franchise. Yeah. Uh, nothing more than like, hey, this is still happening. But a brand new Star Wars feature with acclaimed filmmaker Taika Waititi is in development, which we knew that was something we talked about a while ago. So just the fact that they're just saying it's still coming, we're working on it. Um. But I think when I posted this tweet, it reminded me Ryan Johnson had still signed on for a Star Wars trilogy <laughs> back when he was doing Last Jedi, which we've heard nothing about. So I don't know if this thing has been quietly canceled or if they're still working on it, but that was nowhere to be talked about in this call. Um, one of the things we're definitely going to dive in later, because this fucking gave me goosebumps when I watched this trailer. Patty Jenkins was her, put up a tweet that's a minute and a half video. And it was shared by Disney, and I was like, what the fuck? Why is Disney sharing this? And then it was Patty Jenkins talking about how growing up with her father, who was an Air Force pilot and addicted to, like, she's really into speed and fighter jets and all this stuff, and she's been wanting to do a fighter jet movie for years and can never find the right property. And then it ends with, like, okay, I finally found the movie to make that satisfies two things that I love. And you're like, well, what's the second? And then she puts on an X-Wing pilot's helmet and walks to an X-Wing. And I was like, fucking let's go. The Rogue Squadron title comes up. And I was, I lost it. it was, this I was mean, fucking amazing. Even when she just puts on the helmet, it's like, okay, that's cool. But then 
I, I know we're going to get into it later, but it being yeah. Rogue Squadron that she's going to do, it's yeah, yeah. That was that was big for me. Um, other stuff that Disney's doing. Uh, we are getting a Mighty Ducks series. <laughs> Mighty Ducks Game Changers continues the legacy of hockey's finest fouls. The series picks up where the films left off. Emilio Estevez returns as Gordon Bombay, and Lauren Graham. Uh, those are the only two people they listed. Gordon Gordon Bombay and Lauren Graham is joining the cast, coming to Disney Plus. Uh, another one that caught my attention that I got kind of excited for, Chip and Dale are coming back. <laughs> a hybrid live-action animated series. Uh, wait, animated feature. Sorry, so this must be a film. Uh, directed by Akiva Schaefer, starring John Mulaney <laughs> as Chip and Andy Samberg as Dale. That is going to be Directed by Akiva Schaefer is interesting. That's... What has he done? Because I, I don't know. He's the Lonely Island. Like, him and Andy oh, Samberg. Oh, okay, and, okay. Uh, I can't remember the third guy's name, but, like, that's what they do so all those videos they directed for snl yeah that all right so i'm even more excited about this now this this sounds cool uh one of walt disney's all-time classic classics coming to disney plus with a new live action retelling of pinocchio starring tom hanks and directed by robert zumeckis you know i was completely uninterested in that until the tom hanks and robert zumeckis part yeah right i could give a shit about a live action pinocchio but the Forrest Gump crew coming back together. That's I, they've yeah. worked on quite a few movies together, have they not? I mean, I'm off the top of my head only thinking of Forrest Gump, but I'm sure there's got to be others, right? Didn't Zemeckis do Polar Express? Oh, I think so. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Good call. And who directed the Terminal? I think that was Spielberg. Spielberg, I think, right? Oh, okay. yeah. I would say I know it was a big name that did the Terminal. I couldn't. Who did Castaway? Uh, good call. I don't know. I feel like that could be Zemeckis. Is it? It might have been. It might have been Zemeckis. It was. Yeah. Okay. okay. So, yeah, so they, yeah, they they, cool. they have a cool. history. They have quite a big history. Yeah. Um. So this one, I think the next one too. I think we're probably meant to be the theaters, but they are coming to Disney Plus. It's they don't say premiere access. They just say Disney Plus. So these must be part for subscribers. So there's that one, and there's uh Peter Pan and Wendy coming to Disney Plus. David Lowry directs. Uh, with it just says amazing cast, including Yara should should Shahidi, in the title in the role of Tinkerbell and Jude Law as Captain Hook. I have no interest in this. I I'm so <laughs> Jude so- Law as Captain Hook is 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 somewhat exciting. I don't know that anyone can beat um Dustin Hoffman from Hook. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. I I have I have uh, a thing about Peter Pan. And Robin Hood and Tarzan movies. Like I don't need any of those stories anymore. <laughs> like you can't do anything differently. That I, I it, and if you do, you're bastardizing it to the point where you're just trying to be different. And it's, I, I don't care anymore. Uh, Disney Animation's first ever original animated series are coming to Disney Plus. So they are doing a Baymax series, Zootopia <laughs> series, uh, Tiana series, which I don't know what that is. For a princess uh, and the they're frog. They're coming 2022. What's that? Princess and the Frog. Okay, gotcha. Uh, and they're doing a Moana series coming in 2023. I have some coworkers who are about lost their shit today on our work chat when I told them about those. <laughs> I mean, Zootopia series sounds amazing. The rest, yeah. whatever, I'm not that thrilled about, but Zootopia, I will be there for. I kind of well, curious Hero what Baymax was, is like. Yeah, Big Hero 6 was a good movie as well. Um, 
so yeah I, i'd be more excited for baymax and zootopia because that, i don't know princesses doesn't do much <laughs> i really i loved moana <laughs> i'm unabashedly a moana fan i mean I that's like a good moana. movie but i don't know that i'd watch a series fair same you just have to wonder, like, some of these movies I feel like would have got a sequel. So are they, shel- like, shelving the sequel to make series now for Disney Plus for these movies? Like, I feel like Zootopia, Moana, Dis- Maybe Big Hero 6. Maybe they're seeing some, you oh. know, some drop-off on sequels, and they figure they can turn it into subscriptions instead. Back yeah, in I mean, the VHS, definitely... VHS ahead, days, you know, like, Aladdin and uh, Lion King all got sequels, but they were straight to VHS. True. So, uh, <laughs> what are you really losing here? <laughs> I guess. Yeah, I guess I'm curious to see what they do with an original animated series. Like, how are we looking? Like eight, twelve episodes mm-hmm. for these? Yeah, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm definitely curious what they do. Uh, Pixar, speeding ahead with a new series following Lightning McQueen and Mater on a road trip across the country, <laughs> featuring new characters, old friends, and imaginative destinations. Coming to Disney Plus Fall 2022. Uh, this is the. One of the few, I feel like, that specifically says, coming to theaters, June 17th, 2022, Lightyear is the definitive story of the original Buzz Lightyear, voiced by Chris Evans. I missed the fact that this was supposed to be theatrical. I thought this was a series, a Disney Plus series. No, no, this is, yeah. I had heard about this. I think we, like, briefly mentioned it when it first, like, got announced as to what the hell are they going to do here, like. Oh, I've, they just announced I've the never Buzz heard Lightyear of this before movie. This. And I want to say, Brian, you were like, how do they do this without Woody? Like, I, Okay, you'd see I, I don't even remember that, to be honest, either. No, I don't remember that either. <laughs> I don't know. I, I remember having the conversation, and Brian's the only person I know that cares enough about Toy Story that I would have had that conversation with. I mean, I, I do love me some Toy Story. This, I don't, this could obviously could be complete bullshit, I know, but on uh, IMDb Trivia, somebody submitted, this could be... Or, or this is rumored to be a story not about the action figure or the the thing that Buzz Lightyear is, but in that world of Toy Story, the origin of the astronaut who inspired someone to create the character. So within what's that def- definitive story of the original Buzz Lightyear? Right. So like within the world of Toy Story in that universe, there exists a, an astronaut who then somebody takes inspiration from to create the character of Buzz Lightyear. Which would make sense why it's Chris Evans voicing and not Tim Allen. Yeah. Right. And, and if that's the, the way it goes, that up. sounds interesting to me. Yeah, definitely. Uh, all right. So we're going to get into all the Marvel shit that we got to talk about now. Oh, they did so that too? All, this is all the meaty stuff. Uh, Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness debuts March 25th, 2022, starring Benedict Cumberbatch, Elizabeth Olsen, Benedict Wong, Rachel McAdams, uh, uh, McAdams, uh, Chiwetel Ejiofor. You got it! And I'm going to butcher this one, Zochitl Gomez, Zochitl Gomez, as American Chavez. And I believe this is the first official confirmation. This has basically been confirmed by multiple other news outlets, but directed by Sam Raimi. And this tweet also confirms the film will tie into WandaVision and the next Spider-Man film. So there's a chance that all the rumors we keep hearing about Spider-Man could be true. But I'm still kind of holding my breath on some of those. (laughs) It's a confirmation Uh, stickler, folks. Yes, I am very much. But, you know, it, it, this is me going off on a tangent, but the 
for anyone that read the rant that I put out on Facebook, part of it is not just like looking for confirmation for this stuff. Part of it is like, why the fuck do you want to know this stuff before you see the movie? You know what? I want to start the next rumor right now. Neil Patrick Harris is <laughs> going to be there I, for I, this. He's going to be Modoc. To voice an animated Spider-Man. I'm here for it. I love that animated Spider-Man that he did. That was for the MTV series. I remember that. Yeah. Um, all right. And then we have, we got a couple first look trailer type of things. Uh, so we got a second trailer for WandaVision. That's all that they popped. We're not going to dive into the trailer stuff. We got a, uh, first look for Falcon and Winter Soldier. Um, we, and we got a release date. Start streaming March 19th on Disney plus for awesome. Falcon and Winter Soldier. So that should uh, be like and right by the end of WandaVision. Like, right as that's wrapping up its weekly stuff. Yeah, yeah. I think that's how they position these first three, because we still don't know what they're going to do with Black Widow. They haven't, right? or, or you know. Yeah, that there was no word on Black Widow at all. They don't know what they're going to do with it yet. Unless they're holding their breath, because it's due to come out, you know, this coming May 2021. So unless they're holding their breath to see what theaters are like then and see what happens, but... There was no update for, for Black Widow. I have a small speculation, but I will get there in a moment after you get through another couple. Okay. Uh, going back to WandaVision, uh, start streaming Disney Plus January 15th. So that's right around the corner. Yep. Uh, we got a first clip trailer type of thing for Loki. Uh, original series from Marvel Studios coming May 2021 to Disney Plus. So this is where I want to interject. So given exactly what you guys just said... I, I wouldn't be surprised if their hopeful plan is feed us those three series one after the other for several months, ten eight to ten weeks, WandaVision, maybe have a little, like a week or two off, maybe for in between, eight to ten weeks for Falcon Winter Soldier, two week or two off, week eight to ten weeks for Loki, and at that point, they're maybe hoping to get Black Widow out in July. Yeah, I could see that. Um, the last, oh no, we did get a couple other videos after this. So we got another, uh, first look trailer for Marvel Studios. What if, which is the original animated series from Marvel Studios just says coming summer 2021. So we don't know what month or when, but at least we have a season for that one. So this is, this is the series that's like hosted by more or less the beyonder or the, the watcher. Yes. Um, voiced by Jeffrey Wright. That, that talks about what if scenarios for the MCU and then we see them in animated form. So that looks cool. Uh, we got confirmation that Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings wrapped production. Uh, so they are coming to theaters July 9th, 2021. Uh, we got a scissor reel for the announcement of a new character, Miss Marvel. Uh, Kamala Khan is coming to Disney Plus as an original series late 2021. Uh, so we saw the actress, uh, Eamon Villani, Eamon, Eamon Villani as Kamala Khan. She's in the trailer. Uh, and then the next tweet after that lists her as being part of the cast for Captain Marvel 2, which has Brie Larson returning, uh, directed by Nia DaCosta joining the cast. Uh, again, Miss Marvel's in there, uh, and Monica Rambeau played by WandaVision's Tayana Paris. So I think if you've watched the trailer for the second trailer for WandaVision, uh, there's a quick cameo by this character in that series or in that trailer. Who remember was the younger girl, the daughter the 90s. in yes in the first Captain Marvel. So I guess we're keeping up with the time jump where we meet Carol Danvers with Endgame, right? And and going from there, yes. twenty five, 
Yeah, about no, be almost they'd be thirty years later now in the Marvel universe because that, that, that's five years. Yeah, and by the time it gets out, we could almost just about catch up with that. <laughs> um, yeah. Real quick, I would say about Miss Marvel. There's a really cool docu series on Disney Plus called Marvel Six One Six, and I think the second episode is uh, centered on women's history in Marvel, um, characters, writers, artists, and um, they do a nice chunk in there about Ms. Marvel um, and the revitalization of Captain Marvel like 10, 15 years ago and whatnot. So if you happen to have Disney Plus, uh, that series is really cool. Nice. Uh, that's one I haven't watched yet, so I got I to gotta get on that too. Uh, the, the pictures got leaked on the internet probably a week or two before this was officially announced. Um, Hawkeye, obviously that series is happening. We knew that Jeremy Renner returns as Hawkeye teaming up with Kate Bishop played by Haley Steinfeld. So there's been pictures of her running around on set with Jeremy Renner (laughs) that, uh, hit the internet not too long ago. Uh, I'm pretty sure we talked about the casting for She-Hulk before Tatiana Maslany will portray Jennifer Walters slash She-Hulk. Uh, the surprising thing in this tweet is that Tim Roth returns as Abomination and Hulk himself, Mark Ruffalo, will appear in the series. Directed by Kat Curio and Anu... Why do they give me all these names? Anu... Why do people have names? We we gotta get better. We gotta... gotta, They gotta be... We gotta find some kind of uh, 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 Duolingo program that helps Americans with ethnic names more. Yes. I am I am ignorant in that. I will sign up day uh, one. I need it to. <laughs> one thing that was actually going to be on our list of topics to talk about today was uh, some the Moon Knight show, which apparently two months ago apparently cast Oscar Isaac as Moon Knight, but I missed that somewhere buried among all the other crap that's been going on. Uh, Marvel Studios talks about Moon Knight, a complex vigilante, is coming to Disney Plus. Does not list a date, and now obviously, and for or actually surprisingly. It does not list Oscar Isaac as being part of the series in the tweet about said series, which I th- at this point I thought it was not, like you know, not it wasn't, wasn't supposed to be hidden. Yeah. Like this was this is out there that he is in the role. So I don't know why they didn't put his name attached to this thing. Uh, one that another one that surprised me: Samuel L. Jackson back as Nick Fury and Ben Mendelsohn uh, returns as Skrull Tal- Talos in Marvel Studios original series. Secret Wars, which I would have bet would have been a big storyline for the movies, and they are turning I, it into a series. I thought I saw that as a different name. Oh, sorry, Secret Invasion. Did I say okay. Secret Wars? Yes, <laughs> sorry, that's my fault. Okay, I, I really want Secret Wars. I'm, Secret I'm just Wars really there. trying to plug that. Oh no, yeah, but I, I was just really worried they were doing that as a television show, and I was like, wait, no, that would not. That needs to be a movie. No, yeah, you're right. You're right. My bad. Yeah, Secret and Secret Invasion. Secret Invasion. Uh, Secret Invasion is coming as a series for Disney Plus. Uh, coming soon to Disney Plus, Dominique Thorne is genius inventor Riri Williams in Ironheart, an original series about the creator of the most advanced suit of armor since Iron Man. So this was, if you've listened to the show before, we've talked about Black Panther and Endgame and Avengers and stuff like that. I always had this really crazy theory that I thought Shuri would be take up the mantle as Riri if they were trying to consolidate characters and have this thing not not blow the MCU wide open, but try to try to consolidate, especially with Iron Man gone, use an established character that we know to take up the mantle of Iron Man, and I thought Shuri would be that person. 
So we are not getting that. We are getting actual Riri Williams in the MCU in this series. So that is happening. Don Cheadle returns as James Rhodes, James Rhodes, aka War Machine in Armor Wars, an original series coming to Disney Plus. Uh, about Tony Stark's worst fear coming true. What happens when his tech falls into the wrong hands? At this point, like you start reading through all these tweets, and it's like, which character in the MCU is not getting their own series? It seems like everybody <laughs> had a deal worked out that it's like after Endgame, we're gonna get our shit together. All the new ones are getting the new movies, and all the older characters <laughs> are just kind of, you know, they're getting their ride into the sunset. That's a good point, yeah. Uh, this one made me smile, because I feel like I know exactly what they're going for with this. Guardians of the Galaxy is getting a holiday special, written and directed by James Gunn, coming to <laughs> Disney Plus 2022. If I feel like just the title, Guardians of the Galaxy holiday special, this is basically... Uh, the Star Wars holiday special. That's what I'm picturing in my head with Guardians of the Galaxy. But they can do it like non-ironically. They can do it in the exact same, uh, like the, the the reputation that the Star Wars holiday special has. They can basically I, do that, but it'll actually be enjoyable. I'm thinking you're getting Star-Lord fanboying for the Star Wars holiday special he saw at home as a kid. Ooh. <laughs> and he's trying to recreate it in some way for the rest of the, the guardians. Like there was this awesome thing. Mike, shut up. And Don't give that. That's a good idea. <laughs> Someone in the galaxy also has life day that they are trying to get to send James Gunn a DM man to tell him, I dude, I got an idea. Did you start writing the script? Here's an outline. So I think in my, in my tweet to, to retweet this, I was basically like, well, what does this mean for guardians three? Because I'm pretty sure that was supposed to be coming out too. I, I looked on, I think Instagram or something. James Gunn had, answered a comment that someone made and basically he said we are shooting this and guardians 3 at the same time so guardians yeah. 3 is still happening i'm guessing while the cast is together for yeah. that they're just working this into the production schedule and i, wait, I, I that forget makes did, sense, did they given did they the heavy makeup i'm sorry did they say that the uh that this is christmas of 21 or 22 disney plus 2022 two okay so we're we're not getting guardians 3 until 2023 at least probably yeah yeah it makes me sad but i well, get that, it, it could, Holiday 2022 could be New Year's Day, though. Just to, uh, if it's a holiday special, know, I doubt it's going to be. It's going to be Thanksgiving, December November. 2022. Yeah, I get what you're saying, though. Yeah, I, I'm. I'm just hopefully bullshitting <laughs> my way into it's not that far away. But uh, next, we got everyone's favorite little tree, Baby Groot. We'll star in a series of shorts on Disney Plus featuring several new and unusual characters called I Am Groot. So we So I guess the Forky what Shorts else would it be called? <laughs> yeah, the Forky Shorts must have worked for Disney Plus. They're like, you know what, let's do it with Babe Groot now. Let's go. So you think they're just gonna just... turn back the clock a little bit and say, Look, he's already been a teenager for quite some time. We've portrayed that. But <laughs> guess what? The, all right, baby Groot. Everyone loves Baby Groot. I really hope anytime they have to do mocap for Baby Groot, they put James Gunn in yes. there to dance around as Baby Groot again. <laughs> I mean, for me, it's the Wreck-It Ralph short that you get that kills it as Baby Groot. I mean, <laughs> it, like when they're wandering around in Wreck-It Ralph and he's just like answering questions from the audience. Oh, yeah. He's just like, hmm, I am Groot. Yeah. <laughs> and, so, and they're like, oh, cool. And they move on. It's just uh, A big name that I wouldn't expect to be cast in this movie, uh, Academy Award-winning actor Christian Bale joins the cast of Thor Love and Thunder as the villain Gore, the God Butcher, in theaters May 6, 2022. I was shocked by that. 
Yeah. I want to see Christian Bale. Bale get in here and have fun. Yeah. Like, not take a serious role, just joke around and have a good time. I think... And not flip out on somebody getting him caught. <laughs> yeah. I think being in a Thor movie after Ragnarok that Taika is in charge of, that is the only way that Christian Bale works in a comic book movie again. Yeah. In a, in, yeah. And you got, and he has to be the villain. He has to be the Jeff Goldblum or, See, like, I, actually worse, like something he has to fight, he has to do a thing. It, I can't wait for that. I As soon as I saw Christian Bale, I couldn't even make it to the end of the sentence. I was like, they're going to make him balder. That's going to be amazing. And then <laughs> you get to the end of it, and you're like, I've never heard of this character he's playing. <laughs> so... Uh, next one, I'm pretty sure Mike has brought up this character for a while, and I'm surprised he's going to make an appearance here. Peyton Reed is back to direct the third Ant-Man film, Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumanium. Paul Rudd, Evangeline Lilly, Michael Douglas, and Michelle Pfeiffer return. Catherine Newton joins the cast as Cassie Lang, and Jonathan Majors as Kang the Conqueror. Yep. That, that's a big deal. That surprises me in an Ant-Man movie to be... Yeah. I mean, Kang is really kind of an Avengers level threat. I was going to say you had him pegged as an Avengers villain at some point. Yeah. He's an Avengers level threat. I don't know how they're going to have Ant-Man deal with him on his own, but they got two Ant-Man and two wasps in this movie now. So, you know, was anyone else bummed that they recast Cassie? Yeah, a little bit, but I guess, I, I don't know. Maybe they just went, they're going older somewhere, you know, five year time jump or something. And well, but well, they, they can... but they did. She was in Endgame. Oh, they're yeah, not using was. that Endgame actress. Nope. They're in, in okay. Yeah, I didn't put two and two together for that. Um, and I would say for she was only there for like I was say I she know, had two seconds, but still. Time. I mean, for all we know, no offense to this person if it's not true, she could be a horrible actress. <laughs> <laughs> but she just worked for that one scene that they you know they needed her for five seconds of screen time. So I don't think they put as much thought into it, but maybe they should have since they knew they were gonna cast continue going at some yeah. point um so. also the uh, jonathan majors who is cast as uh kang sarah and i just watched him in hbo's uh lovecraft country which was oh, okay. really interesting and really effed up um but uh he he was really good in it so putting him into this kind of world i'm definitely curious to see what he does oh that guy nice uh, couple, yeah, I don't know. only just a few left. Uh, one of them is just like, hey, we're still making this thing. Marvel Studios Blade, new feature film starring Mahershala Ali in the title role. So that's coming. No release date, no anything. We're working on it. Uh, little update on Black Panther 2. Opening July 8th, 2022. Being written and directed by Ryan Coogler. Honoring Chadwick Boseman's legacy and portrayal of T'Challa, Marvel Studios will not recast the character, but will explore the world of Wakanda and the rich characters introduced in the first film. So we have official confirmation that no one is going to play T'Challa. I think that's a good call. Yeah. I mean, it's going to be sad either way. Right. That, I feel like that movie's going to wreck me when I see it. So In the best of But ways. I'm looking forward to it either way. Yeah. Uh, and finally, this is another one that kind of lost my shit a little bit. Uh, John Watts will direct the new Fantastic Four movie for Marvel Studios. John Watts is the director of the Tom Holland Spider-Man movies. So... I feel like it was it was probably a tug of war when Spider-Man's over. Is Sony going to get him to do something, or is Marvel going to get him to do something? And it seems like Marvel won that tug of war, and we're like, you know, <laughs> you've done good. We're going to keep you for this. So, I mean, I was, if he had to choose where to go, right? Like if he had yeah. a choice in it, he was going to go with Marvel if they both offered. 
I was actually curious because I know Peyton Reed, and we talked about him in the movie, the superhero movies that could have been. Peyton Reed was petitioning, trying to get a Fantastic Four movie made at one point. And since he was in the Marvel Studios bubble, I wasn't sure if they'd put him on Fantastic Four even after Ant-Man 3, but I guess maybe they want to put it out first or, you know, a little bit sooner. But I was kind of crossing my fingers. He'd actually finally get to direct a Fantastic Four movie. So we'll see. Maybe, maybe he'll do the sequel after after Ant-Man wraps maybe up. Maybe we'll get an Anna Boat and Ryan Fleck kind of thing, and they'll do it together. <laughs> Possibly. Uh, all right, so that's it for the announcements that I shared. I think, like I said, there was more uh, in their press releases. If you go back and check those, uh, there's definitely some stuff I missed, so that there's plenty of crap to get excited about. Uh, so we're going to try to go th- quickly through uh, what excites us. So we picked two topics out of what I just ran through each, uh, just to try to dive in a little bit more, give it a little bit more airtime. Um, we're going to randomize it. Josh has us a nice little uh, randomizer here, a bingo ball type <laughs> of thing that we're going to start picking numbers out of the hat and, and see who goes when. So Josh hit us with our first number. Let's go. Let's see where we start. Five. Five. All right. Who's number five? Mike and the Ahsoka series. Okay. Um, <laughs> I mean, for me, this was obviously a big announcement. I know Brian knows, and Andy and Josh probably have heard me talk about Ahsoka enough. Ahsoka's my favorite Star Wars character, period. You know, and I was very, very, very much originally against the idea of a live action appearance for Ahsoka. I did not think that her alien species would be able to be translated well into live action. Not even just the character itself, just the way she looks with the Leku and whatever you want to call them on her head that I don't think they would translate well for a long time. I felt that way. Um, and I felt like the character meant so much as an animated character that bringing it to live action would be scary. Um, however, Two weeks ago, we got to, spoilers, see Ahsoka live action for the first time, and it did not disappoint, and it was pretty damn awesome. Oh, yeah. Um, And, of course, she drops the name at the end of it. Again, spoilers. That's good. Good call. Um, Should I say the name? Try to to avoid it. Just... We'll okay, but, well, it. with a character that I'm also very nervous for the casting of that we will certainly see in her series that is also very important to me in the Star Wars uh, mythos. So getting to see that character live action that we're not going to name and Ahsoka, um, it, it's, it's exciting um, to know they're going there. And there's other characters associated that may also get cast and turn up because we're getting an Ahsoka series. Um, like Ezra could possibly pop up there from Rebels. We don't know. Uh, Hera could pop up. It, there's there's feel like Anybody that's watched Rebels knows there's some characters that are sort of in the wind that we want to know what happened after Rebels. And yes, this Sabine. takes place after Rebels, so we could finally get some questions to those, or some answers to those questions. I think we always kind of assumed they would just do another animated series, but the fact that these characters are starting to pop in, pop up in live action is exciting. Yeah, and we don't actually know um, like that, that very end scene of Rebels that like jumps forward into the future a little bit. Oh, I haven't seen it yet. Yeah, I'm not getting to what happens. Good. I, I'm saying there's just a scene at the, like, the very last thing you see in Rebels, you get a little bit of a future look 
Do we know when that is? Yeah, they talk about uh, the Empire winning, or the Rebellion winning, so I think that's right at the end of Return of the Jedi. Okay, so that is then... So this would so, so we're still after that. Right. So okay. I mean all this says is you know it takes place during the Mandalorian. So the Mandalorian is five ish years after Return of the Jedi, so Which means we could be getting answers of yes. some kind yes. to what happens after Rebels to those characters. Um and that would be amazing. Even if we don't, just a little you know, side shot of it would be awesome. Um But yeah, in general I'm glad that they're going this route and not trying to tack on Ahsoka as a story that follows the Mandalorian. Um, the Mandalorian needs to be its own thing. Focus on him. Let right. her have her own series. That's great. It seems like season two is a lot of like, hey, we're going to pop in some characters now, which are cool to see cameos. <laughs> but uh, this is there's like backdoor pilots for everybody. Like there's so many I don't shows feel that like seem it's like a backdoor they're getting sp- pilot for Boba. See, I feel like he's going to get something out of this. I don't either that or he doesn't make it out of the series. One of the two. Oh well, maybe. Because I, I feel like everybody they're introducing that they're, they're everyone's like, oh, that's cool. I want to see more of that character. They're getting their own series. So this is this is Disney. I think not knowing what to do with Star Wars right now. They don't know what to do with the movies. So the Mandalorian's a hit. Just milk the crap out of the Mandalorian for anything that's worth. And so we'll see if this works. I mean, I'm excited for this stuff either way. But um. Andy, how much through Rebels did you get? I got to um, Ahsoka versus Vader. Season two. Okay. So you still got two other seasons to watch. Yeah. Let's go, buddy. You're on the top. I know. I know. Catch up. Catch well, up. I was, was going to try and get um, Jess through the Clone Wars and then Rebels, but uh, we keep finding other stuff to watch in, in the meantime. <laughs> so That's a big test to just, get through both. It is. And, and you know what? There's so much content available everywhere for anything and it's just our our mountain of things to watch it's just it seems insurmountable <laughs> josh yeah. you biting the bullet on any of these animated series yet still still holding off uh, well i mean we only talked like two weeks ago about this but uh no i haven't just haven't sure. made any progress but honestly especially if specifically that uh bad batch show is basically a continuation of those series uh, depending on how long that takes like i don't know maybe if I don't do it in the next start in the next couple of months, I I probably will never because it even it'll, <laughs> it'll be getting even worse. I don't I'll know if like to... Bad Batch is essential to like it's gonna if you no. like Clone Wars if you want to keep going sure mm-hmm. but yeah. to go from Clone Wars to Rebels you don't need Bad Batch. Oh no, I see. Yeah, but if one's like a jumping off point from one of those series and that just like expands the amount of content to get through, I feel like if I ever would consider uh, diving into Bad Batch then like I'd have to do those other things. So it's like pull the trigger in the next couple of months or it's never going to happen. Right. So two things. One, I would still say the Clone Wars and Rebels are the best Star Wars content that is available. So if you like any of it, you'll like that. Two, for the Clone Wars, yeah, there's a lot of them, but you can look up lists and there's essential episodes to watch where you don't have to watch all seven seasons and 20 episodes a season and all that you can go forth with the essential 30 or 40 total episodes and you've pretty much got the idea. There's a lot of useless episodes of the Clone Wars. Um, The Rebels, not so much. But the Clone Wars, you can get through by doing that and move through it. So if that swayed you in any way, maybe. No, think about it. 
do it. Either way, let us know when you finally pull the trigger. We'll be waiting. I will. It's there. <laughs> there's still a long winter ahead, so maybe. All right, we hit the timer for the for the Ahsoka series. So, all right, uh, last call. Any anything for Ahsoka? Super pumped. Nope. Rosaria did a great job. Yeah. Same. They made the right uh, choice. All right, Josh, hit us with the next one. Seven. Andy, tell us about Willow. <laughs> Willow was a movie um, starring Warwick Davis, Val Kilmer, and um, Billy Barty, maybe was his name? I can't remember. Um, but it was in 1988, and it's a... Um, a dark fantasy from George Lucas and Lucasfilm. And it it's it's iconic. It's always been one of my favorite movies. In fact, um, Chris Claremont and George Lucas worked on a three-book series um, that I'm on the third book of for quite some time. I haven't been reading it all lately. But um, I'm curious to see uh, this new Willow series on Disney+. Plus. I think it, they said 2022 sometime. Warwick Davis is reprising his role as Willow. Um, he's sort of a uh, a wizard in in this world of um, dragons and monsters and sword sword play and whatnot. Um, I'm curious to see if the Chris Claremont story will take, and they'll use that as sort of a jumping off point for the Willow series. Warwick Davis was the only actor confirmed i believe for the series so that leads me to believe that maybe like mad martigan who val kilmer plays very well very very well in the movie in yes. 1988 is lends me to believe that the things that happen in the chris claremont three book series after the movie uh does take place that's all i'm going to say about that um but I'm, I'm very excited willow's been a childhood favorite for you know well i mean i was eight when it happened so that long <laughs> um, <laughs> and, do your own and, math and let's let's face it Warwick Davis is an excellent actor give him more things yes agreed I I, I think uh, uh, Leslie a, a listener and, and sometimes guest host on the, the show probably lost her shit at this too I know she's a big fan <laughs> I mean personally I did I mean I I love Warwick Davis I love him he is one of the most charismatic people that you're, you'll ever see anywhere. The man never... can play an audience. He can play a role. He can do yeah. whatever he wants. I know he had a show, like, something about little... Life's too short. Left... Yeah, yeah, and, and, and I, I've been meaning to watch it. It's just the insurmountable watch list. Mm -hmm. I feel uh, like I watched, like, the first couple episodes of that on HBO when it started. And, like, there's a Liam Neeson part in that first episode or two that is fucking hysterical. There's a Johnny Depp cameo in one of those first episodes that is hysterical like okay. it's, it's worth watching okay yeah I, it's what hbo i think it was hbo okay and probably what only a couple seasons i would guess i don't know how long it lasted but i only like i said i only caught the first couple because i think they were either free somewhere or at the time i was subscribed to hbo i just never stuck with it but they it it's a it's it's the the office type of curb your enthusiasm ish humor that's in okay. there okay I'm I'm definitely and I love those shows. Um, Warwick Davis, for anybody who doesn't know, also has uh, quite a few roles in a lot of the Star Wars movies, mm -hmm. and also I believe he was in one of the uh, Lion Witch in the Wardrobe movies, Prince Caspian, maybe. I believe you're right. It, it might have been Don Treader. The Narnia movies, yeah. Uh, I can't I can't remember which one, but um, 
He, he's a great actor, and I'm I'm, I'm really looking forward to this. Uh, he, the the other thing I'll note is somebody that'll certainly turn up that he's been kind of helping along as his son, um, getting him into acting, and I know in the last few Star Wars movies, um, anytime you might see Warwick's. It was when he was in costume. Some a lot of the time, his son would take over and actually do the work as well. Okay. Um, there were some that were dual credited, but I know at the end of uh, Rise of Skywalker, when you see Wicket, um, he has his son. Like Wicket has a you know a younger Ewok stand next to him, and that is actually Warwick's son as well. Oh, cool. Uh, anything else to add? We got a minute forty on the clock. I I think I'm with Andy this uh well I'm pr- uh, probably to a lesser degree but ever th- this was one of those movies that I didn't realize other people liked until I was in my <laughs> 20s like I saw it as a kid but like it did not stay in the like the pop culture consciousness so yeah I, it's like the, some of those 80s fantasy movies like Dark Crystal or Neverending Story that like when they do come up to people again in your 20s um I, I kind of found a new love for it. And he's right. Like uh, Mad Mardigan is one of the, in my opinion, one of the most unsung badass characters in most action or sci-fi or fantasy movies almost ever. Yeah. Uh, just, Val uh, Kilmer absolutely just it. nails that role. Just nails it. He's, he's amazing. Like, it, like one of those, you know, silly things people would say, like, men want to be him and women want to be with him like i envied that dude he he was oh yeah he just seemed like yeah he's an asshole at times you're like i can fix that if that was me but otherwise he just seemed really cool yeah i can remember being in the backyard with a wiffle ball bat trying to do mad martin moves you know (laughs) i feel like back in the day andy wiffle ball bat was our weapon of choice for whatever we were playing it didn't matter yeah yeah (laughs) yeah lightsaber (laughs) Put it on you know, your any arm, type of weapon. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, all right. Uh, hit us with the next one, Josh. Okay. You're at... Three. Uh, back to staying with Andy for uh, Star Wars Visions. Star Wars Visions is a... Uh, I can't remember. Ten episode? Uh, anime short film story. I feel like what, now that you're bringing this up, I feel like I missed this in the string of tweets you, that we talked you, about. You did, you did. yes. Um, thanks for the representation, Brian. Um, yeah, sorry. Anyways, it, it, it's supposed to... So there's not a lot of information that they gave us about this other than they're using 10 prominent anime producers or creators to do 10 different like short film anime Star Wars episodes. Um, there's a lot of really, really good, uh, anime out there. So I'm, I'm, I'm curious to see who they pick. I'm not as into anime as, as another, uh, guest host on the show. Uh, Ian is actually very, very into anime. Um, are you guys, have you guys dabbled at all in any of the anime stuff? Once or twice because someone else wanted to watch something than when we were together. But other than that, it's, it's not really of interest. Okay. I mean, I've watched some of the Netflix series. I've watched some JoJo. You know, I'm actually really excited for the ARC series that got debuted last night at the Game Awards. Okay. It's amazing. The voice cast for that, I'll talk to you guys about later, is incredible. Um, 
but for the most part, I don't watch it regularly. I'm I'm pretty excited about this. I just I think there's so many different styles within the anime genre that that it'll be interesting to see like ten different animated takes on Star Wars characters. I think that that's gonna be really cool. Uh, the Clone Wars actually before the 3D animated one that we got sort of did a um, uh, I'm gonna murder this guy's name. Uh, Somebody Gendi, else has to. Gendi Tart Tartakovsky uh, did an anime. Um, of the Clone Wars, which is actually really cool if you've ever watched it. Uh, Gendy Tartakovsky also did uh, Samurai Jack, and he has a show on Animal um, Adult Swim, I think, right now called Primal. It's about a caveman and a dinosaur. It looks really freaking cool. I haven't watched it yet, but it seems to be getting pretty good uh, coverage. Um, but if you haven't checked it out, uh, it's... It's probably on a single DVD, I would guess, the whole, like, Gendy Tartakovsky Clone Wars series, which is just a different re- retelling of what you watch on uh, Disney Plus for I think, uh, the uh, 3D animated one. I think I have both of those, because they, they did two seasons of it. The first season was, like, three-minute episodes. It's so very short. Real yes. short. Yes. Um, but cool. But they were, for three minutes, they are action-fucking-packed. Like, they, oh, yeah. they move. yeah. A lot of a lot of lightsaber battles and stuff, and I think and they did a second season cool. that were like maybe doubled like five or six minute episodes or something like that that had less in the season but they were longer. Um, yeah. So I think there's there's probably two DVDs out there because I think I have two because I think I have one for each season. And whether there's a collected set of all of them, I guess that's something to look into. But yeah, I think there's two seasons of that. That yeah, Andy's right. They were fucking cool. Yeah, and I, I don't know a lot of creators of animes or anything like that but i think it would be cool if they gave uh this guy uh, another thing to do oh yeah uh, get gendy tartakovsky i'm getting to get to know the name now um <laughs> that would be the only one i would say that i'm like excited for there has been no that i found no announcements as to who will be the creators of the the 10 episodes yet but i feel like it would be cool to sort of dive into the animes that these guys created before I watched the series. Oh yeah. If once they get a list. Yeah. And once you get a list, you're like, okay, this guy from this, this guy from that, you know, I, I feel like Ian would do a much better job of sort of <laughs> saying like, these are the guys I want to see do this. Yeah. He but, could educate us all. Yeah, exactly. Um, it's a series that, that looks really cool. I, I like that they're doing it. There's not a lot of things sort of, bring stories to life in uh, Japanese animated series style. You know, uh, the only yeah. one that comes to mind would be the, um, the matrix did an animatrix. Oh yes. Thing yeah, yeah. That, that was Pitch pretty Black cool. Did, did Pitch Black do it? Yeah. And there's a Riddick anime out there. Okay. So I, I, I think this is sort of out of Disney's comfort zone, which I, I, I kind of like for the star Wars universe. Yeah, it'll definitely be different than than most of all the other Star Wars stuff we've seen before. It's Did you of... say a date on this, Andy? Because I found the tweet. It's saying 2021. No, oh. no season or anything, just 2021. Yeah, I didn't know the date, honestly. But this is sort of like Marvel's What If. Yeah, yeah. that's a good way so, to put it. You know. Yeah, if they're not connected, you know what I mean, thematically, and it's just one-shots, they can release them one at a time here and there. It doesn't have to be as strict as a show that follows like the same storyline. Right. You know? Yeah. You could, it, it's cool. Cause you can sort of give creative power to be like, Hey man, just 
roll with a 20 minute episode see what you do like have fun with it cool yeah. Yeah. see yeah, how bye. swole you can make ben swole <laughs> yeah see how swole he can get <laughs> I, I just there's some really cool stuff you could do with that i think and i'm excited for it yeah. anime yeah, lightsaber battles i'm in for yeah. oh yeah it's gonna be it's gonna be really cool all right we got 15 seconds left so i'm gonna call it Josh has with the next one. All right. Before we do that, I'm actually going to circle back to Willow for a moment because we mentioned John Chu, the showrunner and creator that's going to be in charge of that. And we forgot to come back to him during that topic. So I just want to point out um, his background, at least directing, he started with Step Up 2 and 3 and then went on a little bit of a Bieber kick. He did two Justin Bieber documentaries and did the G.I. Joe sequel in between those. Uh, he okay. then did G- the Gem and Holograms live action movie in 2015. <laughs> None of these are making me excited. Correct. Yeah, you're, which you're, why, which, you're which, killing which is, my enthusiasm. Which is why we got to keep going. <laughs> you keep going. Um, the <laughs> next year after Gem, though, he did Now You See Me Too. Okay, that was okay. a good movie. Um, yeah. And then these are the two big ones that probably contributed most to him showing what he's capable of. Crazy Rich Asians which I don't know if you guys saw it. It was really good, and it made a shitload of money worldwide. Yeah. yeah. Never saw it, but I know its popularity. I, I actually really enjoyed it. I thought it was really well done. Um, And then the next thing, he just directed In the Heights, Lin-Manuel uh, Miranda's oh, okay. musical follow-up. Um, that's one on of, Warner Brothers one list. One of the things <laughs> on the Warner Brothers list, yes. So that's kind of what his resume is. So it's pretty diverse, but you know that probably got uh, got him in the door to have the willow discussion um cool okay uh moving on all right brian tell us about the secret invasion oh yeah secret invasion not secret wars secret invasion (laughs) um comic book storyline for this mike correct me if i'm wrong or missing any details that's essentially like at some point in the comics it's discovered that prominent Marvel heroes and characters are being impersonated by Skrulls. And then it becomes like, where did the original people go? When did they get replaced? We have to figure out what happened to get these people back. We have to get rid of the Skrull invasion, which again, in the comics, the Skrulls are the bad guys. Now, when we meet the Skrulls in Captain Marvel, they're the good guys and the Kree are the bad guys. (laughs) So we're still trying to get our footing. I feel like on this, I don't know if it's going to be the Skrulls, you know, as a race are the, are the bad guys. And then like, Talos and the Skrulls that we meet in Captain Marvel are like a good section of the Skrulls. Like, I feel like that might be where they're going. Um, but this is more or less, I feel like the payoff of the end credits of what, Cap- where, where was Captain the Marvel? No, okay. no, 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 I'm no. F- um, uh, it's far from home. Right. Yes. Cause that's oh. when we find out that, that, oh, Nick yeah, that being yeah. that, that was yes. actually right. Right. So Nick Fury's out in space somewhere with the Skrulls presumably, I guess, trying to head off maybe this invasion or maybe they started seeing the the signs of this and are trying to get ahead of it as S.H.I.E.L.D. tries to do. Um, and I think a while ago we had talked about Samuel L. Jackson coming to Disney Plus in a Nick Fury series. So I don't know if this is the replacement of that series or this is what this series morphed into, but Talos was nowhere mentioned when we talked about this thing before. So I was billing it as a Nick Fury shield series. And now we're in space and stuff looking for scrolls and now it's secret invasion. So this could be fucking blowing my mind with the (laughs) stuff that they're going to do. And I always felt like secret invasion was a, it's something the movies have been teasing. 
So I figured we'd see the payoff in the movies somewhere down the line. But the fact that it's coming as a series surprised me. Um, and maybe it works out in the better because that gives them more time to flesh this story out because it's a big arc in the comics. So I'd like to see more of this and how they do it and all that kind of good stuff. So I'm also curious to see what kind of characters show up from the movies. If it's just those two, if we're going to get Maria Hill, if we're going to get other shield, prominent shield agents in here, um, for, for the love of God, please, you've, you've started the series and then ended the series. And at some point kept saying this is all connected. And then by the end of the series, didn't give a fuck anymore. <laughs> give me some agents of shield characters in this show or something with this, because I'd like that for fans of that series. We want that payoff. We want them to be, part of the larger universe and to matter like at the end of the series it didn't like i didn't care as much that it wasn't connected because they were doing their own thing and their own thing was fucking cool uh but just give me some of these characters to interact with nick fury they've done it once before let me see it again in the movies now that everything's established and this is cool again uh end of my rant anybody anybody want to chime in but you know for in in their eyes maybe it i'm hoping it's not but it's sort of like a been there done that we're done with it thing possibly but i mean like the the series ends like some of these characters can keep going so i'd still like to see them matter in the marvel universe if we never I, oh, see I, a continuation of the series I, again i'm trying to think of a reason why they wouldn't do that right i think there's a couple things you could see out of it one like your, your connection in possibly um colson almost certainly the rest of them maybe briefly yeah yeah um one of the cool things you didn't talk about that Secret Invasion does is it creates a lot of distrust among the heroes. Good point. Yeah. Where they don't know who's a scroll, who's not a scroll, and who they can trust, you know, to not be a scroll and be in person, you know, somebody that's getting impersonated. Um that part of it actually like it opens up a lot of avenues for storytelling that are fun. It's invasion of the body snatchers, but MCU. Yeah. Yeah, does well without. And I mean, from what I understand, like invasion of the body snatchers is literally your basically your your biology gets replicated and you dematerialize. You cease to be. These are well, to true, some degree yeah. like more of like replacements, and you so, are somewhere else. Well, what happens in the comics is that the scrolls that aren't friendly remind like remind you that they're not friendly in the comics. They kidnap them. And the ones that they're impersonating, they're holding somewhere. Um, I believe it ends up being somewhere like a lot of them were in the negative zone. Hmm. I kept um, wanting to say Savage Land for some reason, but I think oh, I'm okay. I think I'm wrong. Um, but it could lead even if it's if it's the Savage Land or the negative zone. I can't remember, but it's one of those two. I do believe it could lead yeah. either into a tie-in to finding the X Men or finding the Fantastic Four. Hmm. I'd say the four is more likely, the negative zone is more likely, because we could see that happen through an introduction of Super Scroll. Does to, for someone who doesn't read all these stories, does Secret Invasion lead to Secret Wars, or are they completely different? No. Yeah, they're completely different things. Okay. Yeah. Secret Invasion happened in the comics in what, like the early eighties? Mid eighties? See, I don't know the year. It it's a long time ago. Okay. Secret Invasion or Secret Wars introduced the black suit Spider-Man. Like it's old. Uh, secret old. yeah, Secret Wars I think was 80s. Yes. Yeah, it's definitely the 80s. Okay. And Secret Invasion was the early 2000s. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Like it was they're well separated. Gotcha. Um I it would I think 
you know, Super Scroll imitating all four Fantastic Four <laughs> and having that be like a cliffhanger for the series where we see that happen to lead in, I think that might be cool. Yeah, I'd like to see some far, like, just see some scroll impersonators trickle into the movies and then, like, finish in the series and they figure it out. And that's where the, the bulk of it happens, I think would be cool. At the very least, oh. I know we have a couple more things to talk about, too. I, I, I cannot, I do not envy anybody at Marvel Studios having to figure out how to juggle and keep straight everything that they are now dealing with. To deal with- oh, see, this is the job I want. Like the continuity guy that's like, right. no, 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 you can't do that there because this doesn't make sense. Right. This guy's <laughs> over here in this movie. Like, that'd like, be fun. Uh, give me that job, like, it, please. It would be... <laughs> Spoken to somebody with ADHD. Yeah. Yes. There's, yeah. there's a lot <laughs> to have. juggle now. <laughs> um. Okay. Yep. Moving on to the next. Four. Uh, <laughs> this thing just likes to do this way. Uh, it's still with you, Brian. Uh, Rogue Squadron. Break it down. Rogue Squadron. Okay. Uh. So I I talked briefly about it whenever we hit it in the in the list of stuff. Uh, Patty Jenkins reveal video. Not knowing what that video is when I started watching it, that reveal was fucking amazing. I loved the way they did that because even her suiting up and walking towards an X-wing, you're still like, okay, it's a fighter pilot thing. But it's not until the title card comes up at the end of the video that it is you are looking at Rogue Squadron. And then, <laughs> holy hell, uh, old canon expanded universe had a whole Rogue Squadron book series. So this is just the fighter pilot squadron that Luke Skywalker forms in memory of Rogue One. He titles it after that ship and makes his own squadron. And as far as I know, uh, in the lore, never actually lets anyone designate Rogue One, again, in honor of the, the crew that was lost for the plans of the Death Star. So Rogue Squadron always starts with Rogue Two and goes from there. There's no Rogue One. Uh, at one point, I thought Luke, at least in the old canon, Luke was part of that squadron. Rogue Squadron flies in Empire. That's the that's the squadron that's at the Battle of Hoth. Um, that's like him and Wedge and Biggs and yes, so yeah. on. So there's characters we know that are part of this. Yes. So the books flesh out a lot more pilots. You get to learn about all of them. Wedge is very prominent. Um, I'm trying to remember all the other ones that like Dak. No, Dak yeah, dies. Dak. Yeah, Dak dies at the beginning of Empire. Yeah. Uh, Hobby, but... I think, was the the wingman for Wedge. He survives. I think he's in the in the book some more. Um, Kyle Katarn or not Kyle Katarn, Uh Shit, Corn Horn, Coran Horn. I think uh, was another pilot. He ends up being a Sounds Jedi familiar. in old lore. Like that's. There's a lot there for those characters, and I think that just seeing like a fighter pilot squadron in the Star Wars universe is pretty fucking cool. They've already sort of going that way in in Star Wars stuff that's happening now. If you played Star Wars Squadrons, that's that's the Star Wars squadron. You know, that's Rogue Squadron for a game. Like that's that's they're they're laying the breadcrumbs for this stuff. Yeah. Um, I guess my my curiosity peaks with like this is gonna look awesome. Patty Jenkins, I think, is gonna direct the shit out of this. Uh, but I want to see what characters are involved. If if they get Wedge. When does this happen? We're probably going to have to recast Wedge. It's probably not going to be Dennis Lawson. Uh, is Luke going to be in this? Is this going to be the formation of Rogue Squadron where Luke is involved and the head pilot that picks pilots? Are they going to have to recast Luke for something like that? Or is it just going to be... And again, what era? Is this original trilogy? Is this New Republic era? Like, where where is this at? What's going on? If Luke's not involved, I can I can see them just skipping Luke and just focusing on the pilots that they cast for this and and trying to flesh out those characters. I think if Luke's there, it's going to distract from those stories and those characters. Um, but yeah, just having 
some sort of dogfight space dogfight fighter pilot. Like, I mean, you think of the end of Rogue One, like that space battle is fucking amazing. It's, it's the really best good. one in Star Wars. <laughs> yeah. If we have a movie based around shit like that, even even a series of movies based around shit like that, sign me up. I'm in. And floor, I, I the mean, floor is anybody else's. Go, please go. Well, I, I was just gonna say two things. One, I think we'd see that it's not New Republic in her trailer, if okay. her trailer is to be believed. Just because doesn't New Republic squadrons aren't the X-Wings all like crazy colors and hers kind of looks like standard re- well, I'm thinking that would be like, you know, uh, Resistance starts having different colors and stuff. Well, even well, squad like the game squadrons let you customize a fighter to change the colors and stuff, so maybe that's just part of the lore now, that it doesn't all have to okay. be uniform color schemes for, for squadrons. Fair yeah, and, and Rebel Sabine sort of paints a couple of fighters too, doesn't she? Yeah. Like, sort of change yeah. color of a couple of them. She's kind of a like a rebel among rebels, I guess. Yeah, yeah, but still. Um, the other thing I was gonna say is I don't know how much you've seen of the rumors—not rumors, but just of like it was Boss Logic put it out there, made the whole thing with Sebastian Stan cast as Luke. I did see that. Yeah, and it looked fucking good. It's this is not official in any way. This is not even a rumor. This is just some really good artist made Sebastian Stan into Luke, and it fucking looks good. I yeah. didn't realize how much he looked like the character. And yeah. if they were to go that route and recast Luke, I I could get on board. Sebastian's a good actor. He he could pull that off. I feel like it's a conver- like I don't want to dive into that cuz I feel like it's a conversation for another time, but I'm on I'm very much on the fence with that that whole thing. Yeah, like I know. one the it's... fan casting thing and two like if I want someone else besides Mark Hamill to play Luke, like that's a that's a big can of worms for me to get into. Yeah. What well, I yeah, I I hear you. It helped me get on board with recasting Luke with how good that looked, I guess I could say. I think what, what would surprise me, or what might figure things out, if they if they put Luke in the Mandalorian, which I feel like is a possibility at this point, whoever, however they do that and whoever they choose, if they choose another actor to do that, I would presume that's the character, you're, or that's the person you're going to see play Luke in a Rogue Squadron movie if Luke is in the movie. We'll have to wait and see. I mean, that's kind of like you said. This could be Rogue Squadron as like an honor to Rogue Squadron's original. Yeah. You know what I mean? This could be something that is in during the Resistance time, during the New Republic time, during God knows what time period. Right. But that's just throwing it back to Rogue Squadron and what they did. Um, Andy, um, Josh, anything real quick? We got 30 seconds on the clock, but I want to make sure you guys get in here. Um, I, The reveal was really awesome. It it, it uh, gave me goosebumps. Um, I did not know that Patty Jenkins was such an adrenaline junkie, but I think that's she's like the perfect person to do this. I didn't know any of that information, and the fact that she has been looking so hard for a fighter jet movie and which comes is so across, niche, yeah, yeah. comes across a X-wing fighter movie. Yes. I kept thinking, like, <laughs> we're getting Top Gun too. Like, what other fighter plane movie are you saying you're part of? I'm like, we're getting Top Gun. What's happening? Right. The uh, Real quick, the only thing I would th- throw out is, uh, for the listeners, I, I mean, personally, not having any of the background that you guys just talked about, I, I recognized what was happening, but I didn't know any of the shit you just talked about. Um, <laughs> I thought that was the absolute best put together piece of media for the reveal like i liked it better than any of the first look or sizzle reel or trailers we got for anything yes. oh yeah. i agree um and also i it made me realize i am very glad then that patty jenkins uh marvel relationship turned sour on thor the dark world because That's right it is and she left that project because who knows like the, the all these years later 
she may not want to have wanted to play with them again or might not have been in the same position to be able to etc not to be mean but like probably let's be honest if it's not for wonder woman this may not be happening and wonder woman is not going to happen with her if she makes the dark world yeah yeah it's a a serendipitous turn of events yeah Uh, hit us with the next one. Moving on to... Two. All right, finally I get to BS for a while. <laughs> All right, this was the thing that I absolutely lost my shit over the most, and it's for a very specific detail. This is about She-Hulk, and it's more very much the point that I am such a defender of the Edward Norton Incredible Hulk. I think it is so underrated. I get what people kind of don't like about it and what's been improved upon since then. I love me Ruffalo. It's not an, a Norton versus Ruffalo issue. I just really like that movie a lot. And, it's well done for sure. And um, I feel bad. I think it, it's probably forever going to remain the like one of the lowest scored of the MCU. I think it's the lowest box office gaining of all like 23 movies at this point one of the highlights of that movie has always been tim roth for me i freaking love every moment that guy is on screen in that movie obviously until you're not seeing him anymore and he's the abomination tim roth himself holy shit now granted i understand that this could mean that we're getting a whole lot of abomination not as much of him and maybe he's just doing voice work. I don't know. But maybe in the same way that, you know, Bruce over time figured out ways he can go from Bruce to Hulk, Bruce to Hulk. Um, in the 12 years at, at this point that the Incredible Hulk has happened, maybe they figured out a way that Tim Roth can do the same thing. He can go back and forth or something. You, I, I, I would seriously challenge anybody if you haven't seen that movie or watched it in a long time. Put it on through that prism of watching his portrayal as Blonsky. Tim Roth is a freaking badass, awesome guy in that movie. So that alone got me even more. I I know the She-Hulk announcement came Comic-Con last year. So we already knew that was in the works. But this was brand new. And this lit me up like no tomorrow. I'm fuzzy on whether it was a series or a movie. Uh, It's going to be a series. It's going to be a Disney Plus series. Okay. And um, does anybody has anybody read Hulk? Does Abomination switch back and forth? Does anybody know? I don't. Comic wise, I'm not. Yeah, I'm not sure. As far as I know, no. Okay. But I don't. I have not read like a lot of Abomination. I've read a lot of Hulk, but he doesn't. Abomination doesn't show up in a lot of the later Hulk stuff that I've read. Like he turns up and then he's gone. He kind of pops in and out. He's not really there a lot. So. I'm I mean, not I feel like to, that confidently. To Josh's point, like, why do you bring Tim Roth back if not to let Tim Roth do something? Like, if he's just for mocap or voiceover, I feel like that's wasted. Now, it, right. it, I, I will say it depends because the mocap difference between 2008 that they used with Edward Norton and the mocap oh, yeah. you get out of Ruffalo uh, true. is light yeah. years yeah. a jump. So if, I was going to say, if you look at what was in Endgame. Right. So if you, if you can that, that's just big figure out a way Ruffalo. to kind of do the same thing with Blonsky and Abomination where yeah if it's mocap but you're you're able to emote the actor through it much more than than was previous you know maybe um 
just flying high on that right now. That's all. Right. I got you. Um, I mean, as far as I'm concerned, I mean, I'm looking forward to it. She-Hulk's a fun character. Um, I don't know how much I would plan on Ruffalo and Tim Roth showing up. Possibly. I think just Tim Roth... They're gonna... I feel like Tim Roth would be the villain. Like, I feel like... I, in my mind, they're they're putting him in there to tell you this is the adversary for the series, and Mark Ruffalo is there for a cameo. See, no, right, I was... she, she needs his blood to be She-Hulk, right? I would imagine, yeah. I think that's um, how she his... comes about. They got to tell that story somewhere. It like it's a, like a blood transfusion like a blood from transfusion. Mark Ruffalo right, right. for yeah. from Bruce to to her, and that's why she gets She-Hulk powers. Yeah, it, what I was gonna say is I could see this very much taking a General Zod turn with you know like you're not so much having um abomination there is the villain per- perhaps a catalyst for a villain okay perhaps mm. you know somebody that's there like i did this wrong this is where you can do it right um kind of thing for whoever the real villain of the say season one will be yeah um and i the reason i say that is because we've seen the abomination already we've seen the hulk beat the abomination over and over and over again in that movie in fact he kicks the shit out of blonsky and abomination and then it, it i feel like we don't need to see it again right just you know what just i mean from yeah, a I, woman doing it or just any other hulk or anything else right right why does she hulk need to prove herself against the, the same villain give her her own villain but perhaps the abomination is there in some respect to guide or alter the path of the villain. Yeah. Gotcha. Okay. The, um, I think it was funny. The last point I'll make is, uh, the actress, uh, cast as Jennifer Walters and she Hulk, uh, Tatiana Maslany was by all intents and purposes announced or reported several months ago. And then was detracted and she had to, like she chose to say like no none of that is true i don't know where this is coming from etc and then it um I, maybe she was just really taking the hard line of look i was told that i was not supposed to be allowed to say any of this and she like really took it to heart but then she was confirmed in the role anyway yeah i know like social media did its social media thing and she got a lot of heat at that time because everybody wanted to see Allison Brie cast as Jennifer Walters. Oh, all right. Which, by all means, is an excellent casting choice. I mean, it's that great fan casting thing, and when fans didn't get what they wanted, they did what asshole internet people do, you know. So I feel like that's why a lot of that happened. Fair. Plus, I'm sure, like, the, the, what do they call it, the NDA stuff for these agreements, it's like, if you say the wrong thing at the right, at the wrong time, like, you're just, you're done. So yeah, it's it like, just head your bets and just, you're, uh-huh. you're better off just saying nothing or denying everything until <laughs> something comes out. Yes. Yeah. All right. From, Especially if you're somebody that's coming from nothing. Yeah. 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 Real quick, uh, from what I know about the She-Hulk comics, the writers have a lot of fun with She-Hulk, sort of like breaking the walls and stuff like that. So if they do the same sort of thing in this series, it'll be really fun. Yeah. Nice. For sure. She does a little bit of Deadpool-y stuff, but not <laughs> yeah. quite as... She's not as vulgar as She's Deadpool. not as vulgar, but they do sort of that tongue-in-cheek. Yeah. Uh, all right, we got two left. One from Mike and one from me. Let's see what, what the fates bring. Six. 
it is Mike telling us about Andor. I'm not here to tell you about it. We don't really know a whole lot about it at this point. <laughs> All right, I'm moving on. Say I'm very excited. <laughs> uh, there was a for... sizzle. <laughs> I am very excited uh, for this series. Um, I did not add, like, I've been trying to avoid like spoilers on all of this so a lot of these sizzle trailers and stuff like that i did not watch sizzle um <laughs> but i'm assuming it's confirmed that k2 will be there alan tudyk will be there i'm I think assuming they that's talked about not they didn't put it in the it's he's not in the video they didn't put it in the tweet but i'm pretty sure they announced that a while ago that he is returning right and the relationship between the two of them to me it's yeah i mean is it Han and Chewie? Not yet, but maybe it will be once we see more of it. Um, and, you know, there's, it's just something to me, at least for K2, the way that he was portrayed, the way that everything happened with him, more so, in my opinion, than the other droids we have in Star Wars, K2 is more human, I think, seeming than the other droids that we get to deal with um his like he has a wider range of emotions than 3PO's just constant panic and fright <laughs> panic and, numbers and fright yeah yeah in <laughs> in R2's just a sarcastic little prick you know <laughs> from what uh, we but, can tell from his beeping yes <laughs> yeah like but K2 has a range of emotions K2's you know he's sarcastic and jokes he has care for cassian he has a lot of these like he's just more ranged you know what i mean as a character as a droid i think than any of the others and i think that lends really well to the relationship with cassian and then of course we get the whole this is probably going to be like a spy movie i would think like a covert op kind of thing because that's what cassian was really right. doing mostly sort of what he is like a special ops kind of guy that's the way i took it you know i mean he he was a fixer you know he was somebody that got things done that other people couldn't get done and was willing to do whatever it took i mean we see that in the opening moments of rogue one you know i mean this is not somebody that is um you know gonna follow the rules well this is gonna be the interesting part because it doesn't seem like he really like turns the corner to be like you know i'm a i'm a good guy i'm gonna i'm gonna fight my orders because they're the wrong orders and i'm gonna stand up for what's right until rogue one so if this all right. takes place before rogue one what what type of character arc or turn is he gonna go through if it's just like him doing dirty shit for the rebellion but he's not really having much of a character growth because the character growth doesn't come until rogue one so he might just I mean, be can... like someone who likes doing the dirty shit for whoever pays him to do the dirty shit. Well, obviously he's working for the rebellion, so it's got to be rebellion stuff, right? But yeah, but he doesn't necessarily buy into it, or yeah, or Rogue or won. question orders or anything like that. Yeah. I mean, and as he says in the movie, he's been fighting it since he was a kid. Yeah, he's been in that fight, so he was born and raised with it. And I kind of look at him like a Star Wars version of Black Widow. He's been born and raised to be exactly what he is, and he's good at it. Yeah. And I think we're going to get to see some of that. And I think 
I almost feel like that'll be really cool. Or at least I'd like to see maybe less about like Cassian's missions and more play the relationship with Cassian and K2. Like that should be the focus of the show to me. I think K2 is going to be the moral center that's questioning the dirty shit he's doing. Okay. Maybe making him question himself a little bit along the way, but and you mean you can see it in Cassian. He knows, you know, when he does things that it's not right. But he's just doing what he has to do. You know? He kills that guy in the beginning. He He's not killing him because he hates him or out of... He, he's doing it because it's what had to be done to get the mission done. Right. But and the fact see, that he like, brushes that off so quickly there. and just goes. Like, I feel like that's the Cassian we're going to see for a whole show. Perhaps. Because he has to end up there for Rogue One, right? So you can't make well, him go through a lot of changes. There, that doesn't so that... mean that he can't have had to deal with like a situation where maybe he didn't want to kill the person he had to kill. You know? Okay. Previously. And perhaps that's the arc is the person he wasn't willing to kill. Okay. For the rebellion. You know what I mean? I don't know. I'll be interested to see where it goes in that sense, but Josh, I want to get you in here, too. we got 45 seconds. Anything you want to add for the Cassian series? Yeah, I looked back at the tweets and whatnot from uh, Star Wars or Disney, whoever put them out and whatnot. They, they didn't mention anybody. Like It was a, not a casting message they put out. Um, but Stellan Skarsgård is attached to this, which is pretty damn cool, I think. Um, as well as uh, an actress named uh, Adria Arjona who I absolutely love. Um, she was in one of my favorite movies of the last couple of years, the Belko experiment. Um, she was also in Pacific Rim two. And then other people might know her from the Netflix movies, uh, triple frontier and six underground. Um, and then she's about, well, it, we would have gotten it this past summer, but um, she's also going to be in Sony's Morbius movie movie. So that's a pretty good cast. In addition to the people that we figured would be in it. Yeah, and a lot of the rest of the cast from Rogue One won't be there because Cassian doesn't meet them until Rogue One. Sure, so. but even even the few that we you know either got confirmation on or could guess would be around, it's pretty cool. I mean, give me some Jimmy Smiths, Bail Organa, give me some Mon Mothma, <laughs> give me some K two. I mean, you could even throw in R two D two and three PO if you want because there's probably they you know wherever they the Rebel there. base is, they could yeah they'd that, be hanging around the Rebel base. Like I said, Hera could even show up for all. We oh yeah, I'd love to see that too. She's a general at that time, so. All right, last one. Last but not least, and, and this is, uh, let's go. One. This, <laughs> <laughs> gotta complete it. Um, one. This is the one that I think, you know, un- I, there's the least known about it. We just know that they announced it. Um, yeah, that we mentioned before, John Watts will be helming the fi- Fantastic Four introduction into the MCU at some point, no dates, no nothing, just his name attached to that property. Um, something that uh, I want to kind of pull Watts from uh, based on something someone said earlier, which is so the Spider-Man trilogy is coming to a, a close, the current one. And so which side of the street did he go to? And that actually dovetailed right into something I was already thinking about this, which was sort of keep in mind that, I, I sort of feel that up up until right now, like it sounds like Spider-Man 3 is being made as a collaboration between the two companies as a means of making sense of them splitting Spider-Man away from the MCU. And however they do that, 
Sony can take what they're left with going forward and do their thing and whatever they're going to leave it with, you, you know, makes sense in the rest of the fabric of, of the MCU. But in my eyes, keep in mind, Marvel is the one making that movie. Sony is the financier. They are the distributor. But Marvel Studios is the producer. They're the creator. Um, so in with that in mind, it doesn't make it, it's not surprising at all that John Watts would say, well, these are the people actually manifesting it. These are the creators, regardless of who's writing the checks and doing the marketing. These are the people making it. So for him to jump from one seat to the other doesn't surprise me all that much. Um, I'm very interested to see what he can do with a team. You know, I, th yeah. I think in the little micro world of Spider-Man and his friends, you have sort of that idea of juggling these couple of characters, um, but seeing how they're going to incorporate the Fantastic Four. Are they going to bother with an origin story? Or are we just going to catch up with them? Um, do we get Dr. Doom right away? And if so, is he their antagonist immediately? Or do you just seed something for later? I'm, I, I, I think it's an interesting choice put that uh person you know that captain from from one ship and in, into this particular other one i think depending on where they go with it if it's an origin story i think you have to have doom in the first movie because i think his origin is tied to the fantastic four so completely that he has, has to be there um if they already established the fantastic four you could save him for a second movie um but i think what you go i was gonna cut in on the origin story thing because you have you know, this director that took over Spider-Man, whose origin story has been told a few times before in other movies that we didn't want to hear again. Nobody wanted it again. Nobody needed it again. Taking over the Fantastic Four in the exact same fucking scenario where I don't want to see another origin story for the Fantastic Four. I don't want it. It's a fair point. Let Marvel trickle them in however they do along the way up to that point and, you know, I mean, feed their story in, in the background, in the side, however they want to do it. But handing off a story that doesn't require an origin to the same director, I think, is a good choice. See, I, I, this is one movie I think, granted, they're established characters that we know from the comics. We've seen other Fantastic Four movies with these with those characters. I actually wouldn't mind seeing an origin story for Fantastic Four. I'd like to see what the MCU version of Fantastic Four's origin would be. I mean, it's... I could go either way. I, I like I like both sides of that i like the i don't know i like the build up for that kind of thing i i, I and it it comes down to how popular is the fantastic four do regular you know yojo movie audiences know the fantastic four enough where you can just go in and say yep these guys had powers have powers this is where they got them from they're the marvel's first family they work in the baxter building and do all this stuff blah blah blah, blah. let's go or do they need that setup? I don't. I honestly don't think Fantastic Four is as popular as we think it is, and I think they require an origin story. The, the, you're might, right. They're, they're not Batman or Spider Man. Right. Spider Man, I think, is a, is a two... very specific case. They've done origins twice, and he's one of the most popular characters for Marvel. I don't think he needs an origin story. Fantastic Four had two movies that did mediocre at the box office, and people have probably forgot about the, or sorry, three movies because I forgot about fucking Josh Trank's Fantastic Four already. Mm -hmm. Um, and as you should have, yeah. <laughs> 
So I guess they did try two origin stories there, but I think most of those movies are largely forgettable and not many people remember the Fantastic Four from 10 years ago and what they did in those movies. So I think they are almost required to do an origin story there. How early do you think? I mean, it, it's so hard to tell the timeline with most of this stuff. Like, do you think they, this is something I was afraid of them doing is especially in, in no matter what production is slowed right now you know that's the best you can say and you know are they telling us stuff that we're gonna not get until 2027 yeah what i'm worried about is the announcement of the directors so early with a studio that has had issues hanging on to directors fully through movies yeah mm -hmm. true so I'm, I'm a little worried that maybe he doesn't get to represent what his Fantastic Four story is. It's a consideration. Yeah. I mean, the next big thing is going to be cast. Like, I'm okay with this director. I'm on board with this. I'm excited. Let me see what the cast is. So tell me yeah. who the Fantastic Four are and, and Doctor Doom. Mm -hmm. And I will tell you how excited I am for this movie. <laughs> uh, all right. We just hit the five-second mark, so I'm going to kill the timer. So that is it. We made it. Which, I, honestly, I think the timer helped. I think we went through this actually pretty, for as much as we covered. Yeah. Granted, it's yeah. still like a two-and-a-half-hour going-on-three-hour episode. But still, I think it moves. Uh, anybody that actually listens to this whole thing can let us know how it went. But I thought it went pretty good, all things considered. <laughs> I, I'm, a, I'm a fan of the uh, timer format. I think that, you know, it, it makes our comments sharper and more to the point and you know you try to get all your information in and just like a blue it okay yeah even yeah i think even. i think it's a good way to go it's something we got to keep implementing in the it's something we've done and i've given a 10 minute timer and i feel like it it still feels bloated a little bit there but i think six seven minutes is the sweet spot for that kind of thing yeah depends on the topic <laughs> and how broad it is well true i think we you know we we went into this knowing we we're, were pretty trying narrow to quick hit some stuff here so they think they were narrow. They don't have a whole lot of details on most of them. Right. So it's mostly just like, I'm excited for this. <laughs> Here's why. Yeah. Um, all right. So again, thank you. Anybody that actually lasted through this whole episode, hopefully, <laughs> you know, in, in my mind, it, it looks bad when you're looking at the timer, but just piecemeal it. You'll get through it. It'll, we're not going anywhere. We'll be here. It's, it's all Put that fine. at the beginning. Yeah, I should. I should. <laughs> I should open with that. <laughs> Um, I'll, I'll remember that for the next time I expect us to go five hours uh, <laughs> finishing up uh, I'll give every I keep I should do this at the beginning too uh, but the only one I know that has stuff to, pl to plug is Mike but Mike anything you want to plug I mean if you're still listening here you probably know all my things but you can catch me on Twitch uh, rare achievements there rare achievements on YouTube uh, Andy Josh anything you guys are working on you want to talk about nope no. Okay. I, I'm I'm just offering. Feel free to make some stuff up like Ian does. We'll see if anybody actually tries to. <laughs> you guys follow can follow me on Twitter at the Druid79. I don't, I'm not sure what you'll find there, but you can follow me. <laughs> he drinks a lot of cool beers. Guys. I do, yeah. He tells you about them on Twitter, <laughs> and it's awesome. I don't necessarily tell you about the beers, but I will tell you that I'm drinking them. <laughs> yes. You will, it's you an will app. be aware it's, it's of thing. what I'm consuming. <laughs> yes. Yeah, and some <laughs> nights your eyes will start to bug out of your head when you're like, "Wait, is this the sixth time Andy's posted a beer or the twelfth? <laughs> I'm not sure yet." Yeah, uh, Josh, yeah, do you post yeah. about your beers on Twitter too? My beers, no, but I just started putting together my uh, pop bottle 
collection to finally display in our office at our house, you know, after two and a half years that we've lived here. So I <laughs> took out all the, uh, like a couple of dozen Jones soda bottles and whatnot. So I can start to throw that out at like some glass point. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Go back through like your letterbox for soda pop and like date every time that you've had a Jones soda and log <laughs> it in your book. You got a crystal Pepsi in there. Oh God. <laughs> Uh, all right, so that's it for us. Uh, if you've enjoyed the show, please leave us a five-star rating and review. Be sure to give us a share on social media. Make sure you follow or subscribe to keep up with the show. We're on Spotify, iTunes, Google, Anchor, Stitcher. Hopefully anywhere you find a podcast, you will find us. You can find us on Facebook. Search Bry Guy and his Super Friends or go to facebook.com slash Friends. You can send us questions, comments, topics, suggestions, any of that stuff there. Try to email us, BryGuySuperFriends at gmail.com. It works now. I can check it, but you know it's hit or miss if you want to do that. Uh, hit us up on Twitter at BG Super Friends. Uh, you can hit follow me on Twitch also, Jedi Bry Guy. Whenever we decide to do another live episode, that's usually where we've been doing them. So follow, keep up with us there. If we ever do live, you can watch us when we do this. And on behalf of Andy, Josh, Mike, and myself, thank you for listening, and we will talk to you next time. Man, that's wiggity wiggity whack. <laughs>